He's paid £75,000 a year to do that, but also has a role on the county council, which he hopes to continue after the elections in May. Opposition councillors say this could be a conflict of interest and that he won't be able to do both jobs justice. Lloyd says that's not true, and he's already been working effectively and fairly in both roles since he was elected. Now a couple who missed their flight from Luton Airport after getting stuck in a lift have been told they're likely to get compensation. Lynn Larson and her husband were due to fly to Turkey on Monday for 11 days but didn't get much further than the lift at the Ibis Hotel. The hotel has told us that the manager's in contact with them to assess the details of their trip and the costs involved. Elsewhere, the British Medical Association's calling for a delay in the launch of a new non-emergency NHS telephone advice line. It's ordering to ensure patient safety. The one-to-one service is due to go live in most areas on Monday, but pilot schemes have struggled to cope with call volumes and have experienced computer problems. Here and a lecturer from Buckinghamshire says our high streets are struggling because men are designing the shops and what goes into them. This year, some of Britain's biggest retailers have gone out of business. Well, Gloria Moss from Bucks New University says 83% of all shoppers are women, so there needs to be more emphasis on what they want. We'll be hearing from people across Bedfordshire on exactly what they want in the next half an hour here on BBC Three Counties Radio. Turning to sport and Stevenage looks set to be under the caretaker management of skipper Mark Roberts once again for the trip tomorrow. Borough sit in 15th. That's ahead of the Good Friday game against Crawley. Finally, weather. And we're going to see a few little wintry showers around. Mainly dry, though, this afternoon. Temperatures reaching a little bit warmer than yesterday. 5 degrees Celsius. That's 41 in Fahrenheit. There's more news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up this morning, including... Would you, be, would you be prepared to take a relative into your home if they were mentally ill? Well, we'll hear the story of a Bedford woman who says her family is being torn apart by her brother who suffers from paranoid schizophrenia. David Lloyd is already the Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire, but he's going to be standing in the County Council elections too. How well can you do two jobs at the same time? And what puts you off shopping on your local high street? Is it the car park charges, the lack of variety? Well, one Buckinghamshire academic says it's all down to who's designing the stores. Reporter Justin Dealey can tell us more in around 20 minutes' time. You can get get in touch by going to facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr or... All of the lines are free. Who's going to be the first caller this morning? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. A Bedford woman says her family is being torn apart as she's struggling to cope with her mentally ill brother living with them. Kirsty Wilson is divorced and lives with her three children aged 18, 15 and 10. Nine months ago, her 39-year-old brother, who has paranoid schizophrenia, arrived at her doorstep as he was homeless. Since then, she's been struggling to get help from her local authority and the mental health services. So we're in your kitchen yeah. and this is where you and your family spend a lot of their time. Yeah, it is, yeah. My brother is in the living room. Obviously, mental health issues, he's on medication. There are problems with that. My children don't know him they they feel afraid they feel uncomfortable you know they come in from school and the first thing they do is come in the kitchen and and raid the fridge like most kids um but then they don't leave i'm cooking they stay in here with me you know they sit at the table and that's where they stay 
Um, and this is to avoid going into the living room where your brother's sort of camped full time. Yeah, his bedroom is my living room. He sleeps on my sofa, you know, 24-7. He sits there all day. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't go anywhere. The mental health offer one hour a week where they take him out. Sometimes they turn up, sometimes they don't. And the other however many hours there are left in a day, I'm left to deal with him. I can't go out and leave my children with my brother because he's potentially unstable. He's, you know, heavily medicated and he does have mood swings, so I can't leave them. They now don't have any one come over to the house, they're friends. But at the same time, there is nowhere in my house that we can actually all sit together as a family because he's actually sleeping in our only family environment. Because he lives at my house, you know, they've basically backed off and said, we will give you one hour a week, we will walk him to his hearing voices group, and basically the rest of the time you deal with it. That That's not... And your children have to deal with it Absolutely, too. Absolutely, it's not acceptable. all under 18. He listens to headphones, which we can actually hear, and it's the sound of rain, which obviously soothes in some way. So if you do choose to go into the living room where the TV is, he's actually sitting there with headphones on, listening to the sound of rain. Yes. It's actually been said that people that are schizophrenic some hear voices uh, my brother does and sometimes by listening to things like rain or soothing music it can actually drown out the voices what impact is that having on you it's destroyed us as a family we've got no closeness anymore we can't sit and watch a film together it's absolutely destroyed my family well, we'll be speaking to Kirsty later on in the show. On the line now is Marjorie Wallace from the mental health charity saying, Good morning, Marjorie. Good morning. How common is this sort of situation? Well, sadly, it's getting a little more common because um, the families are now being put under a lot of pressure to take their relative back with them. Obviously, it's a very much cheaper option for the government. And they say, OK, well, they'll get the sort of teams to come around and visit them. But it's completely wrong. I mean, when I heard that story, I thought, well, I started saying 25 years ago, precisely because of families in the position that Kirsty's in now, it's not the right place for a paranoid schizophrenic. He should be in a sheltered accommodation. He should have 24-hour supervision. And the family should not be exposed to that kind of um, pressure and also to the kind of fear that the girls are living in. What sort of help should Kirsty expect to get with her brother? He should be, um, I don't know his case, it's really hard because I haven't been given it by the authorities or anything like that, but he certainly should have a care plan. He certainly, as I say, should be in a place with 24-hour supervision, um, a place of uh, a flat. He should be um, getting uh, therapy, which he, he may be getting, and he's got this hearing voices group, which sounds at least something, but he certainly should not be living with a, with a mother who's got children that are growing up where they can't have a family life. Um, it, and also they're very, I mean, he has a particular form of mental illness, paranoid schizophrenia, which is quite severe. And, and it's not the best thing for him, maybe, to mm. be in circumstances where he feels that, uh, you know, there are people around him, he, if he's hearing voices, he needs some space of his own as well. It must be very difficult for a, a relative in this situation who's torn between the, the feeling of responsibility towards her brother, but also worries about her own children. 
Yes, and 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 uh, it, you have to balance the rights of her own brother to have somewhere to live. But as I said before, it's not the right place for him to be living. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a very difficult illness for him to be coping with. And as she's saying, um, he's probably hearing voices. He's got to put on music to drown the voices. His way of life is something that couldn't fit in with ordinary family life. And it's not where he should be for his own good and treatment, and it's not for her. Can this situation be blamed partly on cuts to, to care services? I don't know their reason for it, for doing this, mm. but I gather that he'd been uh, living in various places, in and out. Part of the problem is that they have... Um, Really, they've they've decimated the psychiatric beds, so they don't like anyone in a hospital or as an inpatient. Um, they have very few um, properly supervised uh, places of accommodation at hostels with when there are people on duty, when experienced people are available. Um, they do have, uh, I think they have a very sort of small bed in, in, in the Bedford. They have two or three small units. I don't know all their resources. All I know is that whatever the resources, they should find somewhere for this young man. Marjorie, Kirsty's going to come on the show later on. What advice would you give her? She has to, well, I would like her to call Sane and we can sort of talk it all We'll certainly pass your details on to her. Um, I'd, I'd like her to be able to talk about her worries about her, her children, particularly her sort of 15-year-old and 10-year-old daughter, and um, like to be able to support her. But I think that she's got to fight. And we'll help, we'll certainly support her in this because it's a situation that should not be happening. And actually we're getting it Sane. More and more calls about housing with the cuts that are happening. Uh, we're getting more and more people afraid about where they will go if they're mentally ill or families having pressure put on them by saying, oh, you take this person home. Of course the person should not feel as though they, they're cut off from homes, but it has to be right and it has to be where a home uh, family can manage and most families can't really manage somebody who's sleeping on a sofa so that and is, and is extremely ill. Marjorie, thank you very much. Marjorie Wallace from the mental health charity saying Kirsty's coming on the show later on and we'll certainly um, put you both uh, in touch if that's what she wants. Well, mental health services in Bedford are provided by the South Essex Partnership University NHS Foundation Trust. They say because of patient confidentiality, they can't confirm or deny anything relating to the case. Bedford Borough Council say there's no information on their client database regarding Kirsty's brother. 08459 455 555.
BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555. Whose fault is it that you don't go to the high street anymore? Apparently it's men's... Apparently it's my fault. Not my literally, but I mean, I mean me and my male brothers. We design the shops. And it's mainly women that use the high street. Well, we've sent Justin Dealey out and about, and he is a man. Trust me, I have the medical evidence to prove it, uh, to get your views on that. If you want to give us a call, 08459 455 555. Right, let's get the travel news with Sophie Tyler. and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, anti-clockwise on the M25, one lane is closed and there's slow traffic following a broken down vehicle just between Chen- uh, Junction 26 at Waltham Abbey and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. And also southbound on the M40, two lanes are closed following a serious accident. A lorry and a car involved between 9 at Vista and 8A at Oxford. Everything else really not looking too bad, actually. It all seems to be moving fairly nice out there. And the trains uh, aren't looking too bad either on the departure ports. All seem to be running to time at the moment. Sophie Tyler, B. BBC Three Counties Radio. Sophie, mm-hmm. is everything all right? No, I'm having a little crisis over over here. What's what's happened? I can I can hear a tension in your voice. What's going on? Well, I've locked myself out of my flat, and neither of my housemates are in, and neither of my housemates will be back until Monday. <gasps> oh, and it's it's only Thursday. It is only Thursday. What? So I'm just thinking where I could sort of camp out for the bank holiday, maybe. Listen, I've got um, uh, a, a sofa that you're more... If you can't find anywhere else, my sofa is there for you to kip on. That is incredibly handy. Do you, you're welcome. Uh, do, do you not? Do, have you not given a spare key to anyone? That's a basic. Do you know, I gave a spare key to someone and they lost it. Nothing's working. Sophie Tyler, thank you very much indeed. Well, it, it begs the question to you, dear listener. We, the other day we were asking, what have you been locked in or trapped in? What have you been locked out of? Oh, you see how this works. You see how this works. Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five. I may tell you one of, the, one of the many times I've been locked out of my own house. I do it all the time because, uh, like Sophie, I'm an idiot. What have you been locked out of? Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five. Right, it's 6.17, it's Thursday the 28th of March. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A Bedford woman says she's not getting enough support with her mentally ill brother who's living with them. The Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire is facing criticism for his decision to stand in the upcoming county council elections. And in sport, Mark Roberts will remain in charge of Stevenage for the trip to Crawley tomorrow. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. A few isolated wintry showers possible, but dry for the most part with some bright or sunny spells. Maximum temperature, 5 degrees. Coming up before 6.30, David Lloyd is already the Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire, but he's going to be standing in the county council elections too. How well can you do two jobs at the same time? And what 
have you been locked out of? We did, what have you been trapped in the other day? Well, to celebrate Sophie Tyler being locked out of her house until Monday, what have you been locked out of? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR or 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Easter Monday on BBC Three Counties Radio. From six, Ian Lee. I'm actually going to turn up for work. I'll be here. I could do with your help. Could you give me a call? From nine, it's Barry Hyde. It's Three Counties Gold, playing music from the 40s to the noughties. From 11, Sophie Salaria. We'll be talking house and gardens. Get your questions ready for my team of gardening and interior designing experts. From two, Three Counties Sport. We're here with live football as MK Dons host... Brentford, Stevenage Entertain, Hartlepool and Luton are at home to Kidderminster. Rounding off the weekend from six, Ian Brown. I'll be talking to guests from Viva Forever, Burn the Floor and the hottest show in London at the moment. Easter Monday on BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, I I feel like a bit of a sap because uh, I didn't book Easter Monday off. I didn't realise everyone else had booked Easter Monday off. Well, nearly everybody. Yeah, well, well, most. Well, I mean, obviously, the people there are, are, are the the A minus team. They're not the A team, but <laughs> the the A minus team. And there's some excellent names there. But we we haven't got a full team for the show on Monday. We have nothing planned, producer Laura. What's? I'm a little bit concerned about it. Well, don't be too don't be too concerned. Okay, we've got a few days to come up with some fabulous ideas. Yeah. Um, I'm not quite sure what we're going to do, actually. I don't really know. Okay, well, that's that. And you're the producer, and you don't know. (laughs) Okay, Chris, producer lawyer there. So, all I'm saying is, I will be here on Monday from six. I'm guessing we're going to require your phone calls quite a lot. So, could you just make sure you're listening Monday between six and nine and you have your phones by you? I suspect it's going to be very caller heavy. Is that all right? Good. We'll need your help on Monday. I look forward to talking to you.
So to celebrate the fact that Sophie Tyler, our travel lady, has, is locked out of her house. What have you been locked out of? 08459 455 555. I know how to break into a house now. If it's just got one of those Yale locks and it's not double locked, I can break into a house with a plastic water bottle. Yeah, and I know, and leave no damage whatsoever. Incredible. I can do it. Justin, do you know how to break into a house with a plastic uh, water bottle? No, no. I know how to break into one with a ladder. Uh, different story for a different day, though. I, listen, once... We, we, I, I will talk about what you're here for in a second. Mm. I did once get locked out of my house. Mm. Uh, and um, the only way to get in was for me to smash a window, right? <laughs> yeah. Have you ever tried to smash a window? Yes, it's hard. It's really yeah. hard, isn't it? <laughs> it took about... F- I had a crowbar. It took five goes. It took me about three, so clearly I'm stronger than well, you. Clearly. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a tough job. Somebody's got to do it, though. It's tough. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. Burglars, <laughs> primarily. Uh, look, listen, later on after the show, I'll, I'll show you how to break a lock with a plastic Ooh, bottle. I look forward to it. Uh, Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. What have you been locked out of? The reason we're speaking to Mr. Dealey is because you, dear listener, may have been put off going to your local high street because you do your shopping online, or there's not enough variety of stores, or it costs too much to park. Well, a Buckinghamshire academic claims our high streets are struggling because, well, because of me and you, Justin. It's outrageous, blokes. Yes, it's because we, not us literally, we're not architects, but we design the shops and what goes in them, and that's putting ladies off. Well, it's been a difficult year for many retailers with HMV. Jessops and blockbusters all going into administration. Dr Gloria Moss from Bucks New University says there needs to be more emphasis on what women want. Good movie. Because they shop more. Well, uh, our shopaholic correspondent, Justin Daly, you, you, whereabouts are you? You're out and about. Uh, I'm in Lucent at the moment. Yep. Ian, can I just say, you read that beautifully. <laughs> word for word, that was absolutely I, wonderful. I wasn't reading that, Justin. Yeah. I, I was just <laughs> spinning that off the top of my head. I was oh, freestyling. Even, even better. I'm in Lucent at the moment, but um, I'll tell you what, I'm absolutely amazed by these views of Dr Gloria Moss, who will be live on your programme after seven, saying that these shops are too manly, essentially. Ian, when was the last time you went shopping with your wife and she said, well, I'm looking around here at the design of these shops and for me, clearly it's been designed by a man and it's not for me. She's never said that. Yeah, exactly. How come the Marks and Spencer's lingerie section mm-hmm. or boots, or, how do they look manly? I know, it's just how incredible. How does boots look manly? It is incredible. So I was talking to ladies yesterday in Hemel Hempstead about what puts them off going to their local high street and this is what they had to say. They're all the same. So I could go to Watford, I could I could go up to London. But they're all the same. It's too same for you. What about the design? As a lady, do you think the design of shops is appealing to you? Oh yes. Yes, I can walk into Marks and Sparks and be quite happy. British home stores. John Lewis is very nice because you've got the perfumes at the front. So you so don't think that design, then, is too manly? You wouldn't think no. it's been designed by no. a man? No, I wouldn't. No, because there's perfume, nice handbags, all near the front, which I can wander into. Now, Kate, you're from Berkhamsted. Does anything put you off your local high street in Berkhamsted? Um, no, it's, it's a really nice high street. I think just because it's a small town, there, after a while, you kind of go into the same shops repeatedly, so it's nice to have a change. But okay, no. so you're happy with that. What about Hemel High Street? What puts you off Hemel Hempstead High Street? Um, just probably the shops are slightly different, and they're not as nice as the ones in Berkhamsted. So, although the actual pedestrianised bit in Hemel is great for because I've got two small children, so one of them can run around quite safely. So, okay. And just lastly, in terms of the Marlows in Hemel, the big shopping yeah. centre there, but there's never a point where you walk into a shop and you think, oh, here we go. This has clearly been designed by a man you, you never thought that once oh <laughs> i sometimes think it's been designed by someone who doesn't have children but no not necessarily not that observant i'm afraid 
Right, two ladies here. Madam, in terms of your local high street, we're here in Hemel today. What puts you off your local high street? Having a lot of shops closed down, which Hemel does, um, because people shopping online now. And it's just miserable to go in there and find sort of half the shops closed down. Okay. And Madam, what about yourself? What puts you off Hemel High Street? Nothing. I quite like Hemel High Street. It's the Dolbans. I can't. <laughs> can't stop. Got to gripe about it. And very, very quickly, um, the actual design of the shops. Would you say, as a lady, that the design of those shops is not appealing to you? Never thought about it. Just you just get on with it because they'll do the work, what they want anyway. So and yourself, same for me. Some shops are masculine. Mm-hmm. W H Smiths is, is designed by a teenage boy, I think. Possibly, because it's quite, it's quite. I like Smiths, but it's very messy in there. It, yes, I know what you mean. I think the, the problem with W H Smith, they don't really know what they are, do no, they? No. In terms of their brand awareness, but those ladies there again saying, "Well, well, no, you know, I, I've never thought about this once." Uh, Doctor Gloria Moss, I would probably say the views are slightly sexist. Uh, just my views, wow. saying that women have the buying power, but men clearly are designing the shops. I have never known one lady, and there may be one listening right now who says, "Do you know what? I'm not going to use my local." high street because it's just too manly here's the thing as well you know the, the window dressers yeah they're always i'm going to do a sweeping generalization here and <laughs> yes. someone's going to phone me up and tell me i'm wrong they're always women or gay men uh, yes you, yes you, they, they are you it is it's it, and you you very rarely i'm going to get myself in so much trouble <laughs> i would go along with this though it's no, true I'm, I'm backing away from yes. where, I was, where i was about to go but it, it is primarily women and gay men that are the shop dressers mm. i mm. think and that you would think would entice people into the shops yep. because the women have got the buying power. Yes, I wait four five nine four double five five double five. Can we find a very butch heterosexual window dresser just to prove me wrong? Uh, well, uh, Doctor Gloria Moss will be on the show later on, so we shall put your accusation of sexism mm, to her. Absolutely. Where are you off to now, Justin? Uh, Going to be heading off uh, very soon to St Albans, trying to track down a lady who we believe is is getting seventy thousand pounds a year in benefits, but also we she's, have sorry, she's, sorry, she's she's what claiming apparently seventy thousand pounds in benefits. Hi, Chihuahua. Yes, uh, more to come on that, and also more to come on Lynn Larson. Uh, for those who missed the story on Monday. Uh, she was heading off to Istanbul, a flight from Luton Airport. Oh, yes. She travelled up from Wales. She stayed in the Ibis Hotel next door to Luton Airport, so she wouldn't be late. Uh, she was there with her suitcases. She got into the lift. She was off to catch her flight. She got stuck in the lift mm. for an hour and a half. A lot of people have been talking about this. Well, she clearly missed her flight. Her holiday has been ruined. She's gone back to Wales. We have got an update from the Ibis Hotel. They are now talking to us, and you were hear that live on your show very, after seven very exciting justin thank you very much indeed Ooh, keen to see what happens there I genuinely don't know uh, travel news now with the locked out sophie tyler beds hearts and bucks travel bbc three counties radio Southbound on the M40, two lanes still closed following a serious accident. A lorry and a car involved between 9 at Bicester and 8A at Oxford. Speed down to around 40 miles an hour. And in Milton Keynes as well, Marlborough Street is partially blocked following an accident. One car involved just around the A509 at the Portway there. Uh, also getting some reports in at the moment on the A5183, just outside the Chequers Pub at the roundabout. It's been a multi-vehicle accident. Uh, recovery is on the way at the moment and police are at the scene. Uh, reports are a little bit sketchy so if you know anything do be sure to get in touch everything else not looking too bad at the moment and the trains are running to time on the departure boards sophie tyler bbc three counties radio thank you sophie oh eight four five nine four double five five double five what have you been locked out of and how did you resolve it we'll discuss this more after the news and sport with serena farrow getting beds hearts and bugs talking this is bbc three counties radio 
Good morning. A Bedford woman says she's not getting enough support with her mentally ill brother who's living with the family. Elsewhere, the police and crime commissioner for Hertfordshire is facing criticism for his decision to stand in the upcoming county council elections. Well, we'll be having more on this story coming up in the next half an hour. A couple who missed their flight from Luton Airport after getting stuck in a lift have been told they're likely to get compensation now. And the British Medical Association's calling for a delay in the launch of a new non-emergency NHS telephone advice line. That's the news. Now let's turn to all the morning sport. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. So Watford will check on the fitness of several players after international duty. That's ahead of tomorrow's home game against former manager Sean Dyche's Burnley. But defender Naira Nosworthy is definitely missing after suffering an ankle injury playing for Jamaica. More from Simon Oxley. Nosworthy's injury could mean a return for fit again Fitz Hall with manager Gianfranco Zola waiting on leading scorer Matej Vidra who scored twice for the Czech Republic on Tuesday new Jamaican international Lloyd Doyley and England under 21 midfielder Nathaniel Chalabar key midfielder Alman Abdi could also be fit to return Zola has often rested players after internationals but with so much at stake will he do so again? Turning to League One then, and Mark Roberts will remain in charge of Stevenage for the trip to Crawley. They're in 15th position. And Milton Keynes Dons make the long trip to Hartlepool with striker Izali McLeod in injury doubt. Skipper Dean Lewington's again expected to be missing, but Luke Chadwick, Daniel Powell and Dean Bowditch are all back in training. Elsewhere in League Two, Wickham host Accrington at Adams Park. And moving on to Milton Keynes Lightning, the chairman says everything will be done to make the ice hockey team's temporary move to Coventry as painless as possible. The club's junior team's main move to Oxford. Vito Rosa hosted a fans forum this week ahead of the refurbishment of the rink in MK. It's, it's going to have an impact, no question about it. But at the same time, we think um, many of our fans will make the travel up to, um, up to, up to uh, Coventry from Milton Keynes. We're going to be laying on coaches and we're going to try and make it as easy, easy as we possibly can. Finally, tennis news. Nandy Murray plays Marin Cilic in the quarterfinals of the Miami Masters tonight. BBC Three Counties Radio. There'll be more at seven. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up between now and uh, seven o'clock, including David Lloyd is already the Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire, but he's going to be standing in the county council elections too. Our political reporter, Paul Scoynes, will be explaining how he can do both roles. How well can you do two jobs at the same time? And our travel guru, Sophie Tyler, is locked out of her house until Monday. What have you been locked out of? 08459 You can go to Facebook as well facebook.com forward slash bbc 3cr or you can send me a cheeky text not too cheeky 81333 start your text 3cr put your name on it please otherwise it ain't getting written out yesterday well it seems so cool when i walked you home kiss goodnight i said it's love you said all I could never cry Until tonight And you pass by
BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555. Now, the Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire is facing criticism for his decision to stand in the upcoming county council elections. David Lloyd has been a county councillor for nearly 15 years, but will stand down from his job as a borough councillor in May. However, opposition parties and members of the public say the PCC job is too big to do part-time. Well, our political reporter Paul Scoynes is here. Paul, what's the problem with this? Well, David Lloyd would say, first of all, that there isn't a problem. Right, and he, uh, he'll be coming in later on he'll to, be coming to, no on later say on that. to say that. Yes, he's currently, I suppose he's got three roles at the moment. He's got the two council jobs and the PCC roles. Uh, as you say, he's going to not stand in the uh, uh, in a by-election uh, for his borough council job uh, in May, but he will be standing for his uh, his county council role at the moment. Now, opposition councillors say that they're surprised by this, that they feel that uh, the, the PCC role is such an important job, and bearing in mind in he earns around £75,000 for that, it deserves to have his full attention. Um, and they also say that there's a potential conflict of interest uh, because as the PCC, he's supposed to represent the whole of Hertfordshire mm. and all of its residents, uh, and as a county councillor, he represents the area of Bridgewater. So they say, well, he's got a specific loyalty to that part of the county. He says, that's ridiculous. Opposition councillors aren't particularly happy, are they? What, are, what no. have they been saying? Well, I spoke to a couple of them. Uh, the, the leader of the Lib Dem group is Stephen Giles Medhurst, and he said that he's disappointed that David's not standing down. He says he'd assume, as would he expects most of the people who voted for him, uh, that the role of the PCC is a full-time one. Uh, and he said that considering that the county council meetings are often during the day he would either need to miss those or vital PCC work and Sharon Taylor who's the leader of the Labour group on Hearts County Council she said that she was a bit surprised she assumed it was a job in itself the PCC role uh, and she also said that um, she had concerns potentially about him uh, representing a certain area in Hertfordshire and that having potentially preferential treatment. What do the public think? Well I spoke to a couple of people in market yesterday this is what they told me. Well, I suppose it depends on how well he's doing his job and whether he can make the meetings and things like that by doing two jobs. No, he should just do the one job. We need the police just to do their job. There's so much crime, it needs just to be the police job. The way the country is at the moment, I think the policing is a big thing and I think that's what he should be there for. So he shouldn't be devoting some of his time to something else. No. 
Well, David Lloyd is coming in later on, but, but, but what's he saying at the moment? Well, he totally dismisses this out of hand. He said that uh, most councillors have secondary jobs, uh, and he said that he used to work on the police authority while serving as a councillor and was able to do both. He also says he's not pointed out any rule, uh, any, he's not broken any rules, I should say, uh, and he can give both of his jobs seven uh, days a week attention. He says he, at the moment he's working from around 7am to 11pm most days. He says that wow. he's been working uh, in this sort of particular role since November and has been working on you know the county council since then as well. No evidence to show that he's giving any particular area preferential treatment. He says this is absurd. Gosh, I, I work from six till nine every day, and I'm, that, that's enough for me. I'm shattered after those three grueling hours. <laughs> What's happened elsewhere in, in the country? Are there any other PCCs with with more than one job? Well, yes. I mean, lots lots did come over from the old police authorities, so lots have been councillors and are still councillors. And, and if we just look to the west of uh, our region uh, Anthony Stansfeld is the Conservative uh, uh, PCC for West Berkshire Council uh, no not just West Berkshire, the Thames Valley area, he's also a councillor on West Berkshire Council um, and he sits on committees, he's attended four of the six committees he's supposed to have done this year just looking a bit further north though Ian, East Riding Council in Yorkshire now both the PCC of Humberside and Deputy PCC were from that council and they resigned their seats following a long campaign and a council vote against their dual roles. Uh, but just going back to that, that, that David Lloyd says, well, he has effectively resigned his local seat, if you like. He says, as a county councillor, you have to act for the whole area anyway. You're making decisions for the whole county. So he really doesn't feel he could be accused of giving any particular area a favourable um, you know, preferential treatment, if you like. So he, he totally dismisses those sorts of uh, uh, claims that the opposition council has given and says he's doing a good job. And he'll be joining us on the show later on. He will indeed. 7.30 is in. Excellent, Paul. Thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555. What, what do you think? Does, does that uh, surprise you that the, the PCC is doing two jobs at once? Does that concern you? Or do you think it's all a, a fuss over nothing? 08459 455 555. From today, well, I've got somebody that's new. I ain't no fool, and I don't take what I don't want for. I have got another girl, another girl. She's sweeter than all the girls, and I met quite a few. Nobody in all the world can do what she can do, and so I'm telling you this time. You Say that I've been unhappy with you But as from today what I've seen Somebody that's new From today, well, I've seen somebody that's new. 
boing. I like that. That's a throwaway song for the Beatles. They used to just toss them off on the B-sides of some of their albums. I think that's from Help. I think. And that may even be on the... That, is that may even be in the film, Help? I'm not quite sure. But it's good, that. It's just one of those ones that it's not particularly weighty or, or important, but it's, it's, it's a nice, frothy Beatles song. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555. We're asking... Well, two questions this morning, really. Lots of questions, but the, the two that I'd like to focus on. Do you think that the high street is... It, what's putting you off going to the high street? Is it the fact that it, it, it supposedly it's designed by men? I don't quite understand this. We'll be speaking to the uh, doctor who's put forward this theory later on in the show. And also to celebrate the fact that uh, our travel lady, Sophie Tyler, has been locked out of her home... Well, she's locked out until Monday. What have you been locked out of? I've been locked out of my house more times than I care to remember. I, there was a there was a, about two months where I got locked out of my house five times. And those, when you call up the gentleman, the, the locksmiths, to come and bust you in, that's like 120 quid. Cash. Oh, they want cash. Oh, don't take cards. Check. No. Cash then, is it? Oh, yeah. Can I get receipt? Mm. 08459 455 555. Right, here's the travel news now with our locked-out Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Southbound on the M40, two lanes still closed following a serious accident involving a lorry and a car between 9 at Vista and 8A at Oxford. Now, Marlborough Street in Milton Keynes also still partially blocked following an accident. One car involved at the A509 at Portsway. And we're also still getting reports as well at the A5183. That's just outside the Chequers Pub at the roundabout. There has been a multi-vehicle accident there. Now, the Barnet Bypass heading south through Borehamwood. Still heavy this morning between Stirling Corner and the Watford Bypass. And also heavy as well on the A405 North Orbital Road, just around the M25 Junction 21A roundabout. Everything else, not too bad at all. Trains still moving nicely this morning on the departure boards. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Sophie. Right, 6.46, Thursday the 28th of March. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A Bedford woman says her family's been torn apart because she's not getting enough support with her mentally ill brother. Hertfordshire's police and crime commissioner is being criticised for wanting to carry out two jobs at the same time as he's set to stand in the upcoming county council elections. And in sport, Mark Roberts will remain in charge of Stevenage for the trip to Crawley tomorrow. Coming up, we'll get the latest from the crisis hit Cyprus as banks are set to reopen today for the first time in almost two weeks after they were shut to prevent mass withdrawals. But before that, let's get the weather with Elizabeth Rossini. Beds, Hearts and Bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, a very good morning to you. Well, I'll tell you what, last time I was on shift all the way back last Sunday, it looked like it was going to snow for the Easter Bank holiday weekend, so thank goodness that threat has now gone away, but it doesn't look like we're going to see any big changes at all. It should stay mostly dry. We may just see one or two very light icing sugar sort of dustings at times, just wintry flurries, but really not amounting to very much. Um, So most places staying dry and, of course, staying bitterly cold as well. Now, temperatures at the moment around 
minus two right across the three counties. And um, they're going to rise to probably between around three and perhaps five degrees Celsius later on in Stevenage and Milton Keynes and in Ellsbury as well. So five degrees Celsius, bit of northeasterly breeze. Of course, it's going to feel colder than that. But we will see a little bit of sunshine around this morning, I reckon. Um, clouding over somewhat into the afternoon, but still a good few sunny spells uh, persisting, particularly across parts of Buckinghamshire. So, you know, so far so good, really. And then overnight tonight, the northeasterly wind dying down a touch more. We will see a very sharp frost into tomorrow because there'll be some clear spells around as well. So temperatures dipping to minus three, minus four degrees Celsius, perhaps a touch lower in the rural spots. And then tomorrow it's going to be more of the same. The chance of one or two wintry flurries, bit of brightness around, still very cold. And it's looking similar on Saturday and on Sunday as well. The difference being Sunday, we're going to see a lot more chocolate around. That's the forecast. <laughs> Don't. Listen, uh, Elizabeth, I was listening to uh, the very posh Radio 4 uh, last night, Please. and yeah. the, weather, the weather gentleman was mm. saying that this could go on for another two or three weeks, this cold weather. Uh, yes, it could. Yes. Yes, it could. That'll be the middle of <laughs> April. I know, and then we say that the temperatures are going to creep back up to average. Oh, for goodness sake! What a treat, Elizabeth. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> Another two or three weeks of this cold. Weekends on BBC Three Counties Radio. Chet and Partick. For me, Sunday evenings are a chance to sit back, relax, and get your head together for the week ahead. Chet and Partick. There's plenty of music to help you reflect, relax, or revive yourself after a long weekend, and plenty of talking points with news, entertainment, and lots of live guests in the studio. Every Sunday night from six. I like hearing stories. It's your experiences that really make this station what it is. Chet and Partick. Every Sunday. Sunday night from six on BBC Three Counties Radio. We're asking what have you been locked out of? Kelly Betts, who works on this show. I've been locked out of my car in the pouring rain, and uh, Ben, who works here, had to help me break into my own car. How do you break in to your own car? I remember years ago getting locked out of my mum's car when I was 17. I first learned to drive a Nissan Micra. Uh, it was white, and um, and I panicked. I'd locked the keys in the car. Remember the old days? You could lock the keys in the car. I don't think you can do that anymore. There was that thing of you'd look in and the, car, the key would be on the car seat. Can you lock the keys in the car anymore? I don't think you can. My producer, Laura, is saying you can. I don't know. Has it happened to you then? No, no, no. And so to, to break in, we broke in it proper burglar style. We got a, I was too terrified of telling my mum that I'd locked her keys in. So we broke the seal on the window, got a coat hanger and did the coat hanger thing and opened it. In doing so, completely knackered the seal, and it was it forever after that would let in water. And my mum said, well, "I've got I've got spare keys. Why didn't you just come and get the spare keys?" Because I was an idiot. That's why. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. What have you been locked out of? Is there anybody else that can do the plastic bottle trick to open a, a, a Yale lock? It's very easy. It, it's worryingly easy. That is why you should always double lock your doors. I could break into your house. Living on free food tickets. Pop. 
like it and you lose it in the snow on the ground You gotta walk in the town to find a job Trying to keep your hands warm When the hole in your shoe let the snow come through Until you're to the bone Somehow you better go home where it's warm Where you can live in the love of the common people Smile from the heart of a family man Daddy's gonna buy you a dream to cling to Mama's gonna love you just as much as she can And she can Closer the knit, the tighter the fit, and the chills stay away. Just take them in stride for family pride. You know that faith is your foundation. With a whole lot of love and a warm conversation, but don't forget to pray. Just making it strong where you belong. And we're living in the love of the common people. Smiles from the heart of a family man. Daddy's gonna buy you a dream to cling to. Mama's gonna love it just as much as she can. And she can. Yes, we're living in the love of the common people. Smiles from the heart of a family man. Daddy's gonna buy you a dream to cling to. Mama's gonna love it just as much as she can. Living in the love of the common people. Smiles from the heart of a family man. Daddy's gonna buy you a dream to cling to. Mama's gonna love it just as much as she can. BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 Go to the Facebook page as well. You've been very feisty on there. I, I like it, although there's one bloke I'm going to block. <laughs> and I, I do have the power to do that. He's very rude about me, and I've, I've kind of tolerated his rudeness. But I guess I saw a thing last night. I thought, oh, God, do you know what? Go away. If, if, if you're not enjoying it, just don't take part. It's simple as. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Now, banks in Cyprus are set to reopen today, almost two weeks after they were shut to prevent mass withdrawals, while the country negotiated the terms of a £10 billion international bailout. The banks will reopen at noon local time and stay open for six hours. Billions of euros are reported to have been flown into the country to meet the expected demand. But so-called capital controls are being imposed to prevent a huge outflow of money from the banking system and from Cyprus itself. Restrictions include limits on cash withdrawals, credit card transactions and transfers abroad. Alina Panaritis is a World Bank economist and a former member of the Greek parliament. A lot of Cypriots are thinking, what did they really gain out of getting into the euro? The pound that they had before, the Cypriot pound, was a strong currency. Their economy was very healthy and strong. They don't really believe that they got much out of being part of the Eurozone. Well, customers will be limited to withdrawing 300 euros a day to prevent everyone fleeing with their savings. There'll also be a ban on cashing checks and restrictions on how much money you can travel outside Cyprus with. The controls will remain in place for an initial seven days, but they'll almost certainly be renewed and are likely to last for months. For businesses, it eases things slightly, but not much. Vasilis Petridis runs a company called Cosmos Trading. He says things have been tough. We have many customers who are desperate for our products 
And we had to make a conscious decision to convert these people to cash, although previously they were on credit terms. We have to conserve our cash. We have payrolls, we have suppliers, we have expenses. So not knowing when the banks would open doesn't leave us much choice but to take the safe route and collect cash wherever possible. Peter Drusiostis is the president of the National Federation of Cypriots in the UK. This evening, he'll be chairing a meeting of London's Cypriot community to discuss the financial climate in Cyprus and to come up with ways to help struggling Cypriots back home. People are generally shocked and dismayed, disappointed really by the way in which the um, rescue uh, by the Eurozone authorities has been completely mismanaged, you know, and that I think remains the main view uh, of the community here in the UK. I mean, that is our view, that is the perception of our community. Having said that, we now want to move on, and it's important that Cyprus restores, you know, trust and confidence in the system. So I hope that the measures that they uh, will take uh, will enable them to do so. It's the first time capital controls have been introduced in a Eurozone country. 08459 455 555. I dedicate the next song to Paul Scoynes. <laughs> this morning, haven't we? 08459 455555 Let's go to our traffic lady in distress, Sophie Tyler Beds, hearts and bucks travel BBC Three Counties Radio 
Starting on the motorway southbound on the M42 lane, still closed following a serious accident involving a lorry and a car between 9 at Vista and 8A at Oxford. Now also Milton Keys, Marlborough Street is partially blocked following an accident just around the A509 at Portway. And the Barnet Bypass heading south at slow between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus at the moment. Everything else though not looking too bad on the whole. All seems to be moving nicely on the trains as well. No problems on the departure ports. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up in the next hour, would you be prepared to take in a relative to live in your home if they were mentally ill? Well, I'll be speaking to a bedroom woman who says her family is being torn apart by her brother who has paranoid schizophrenia. That's after the news with Serena Farrow. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, the headlines. Not enough support for Bedfordshire family. The Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire comes under fire and our shops designed for men. BBC Three Counties Radio. A Bedford woman says she's not getting enough support with her mentally ill brother who's living with the family. Kirsty Wilson says the local authorities just aren't helping out enough. Well, Marjorie Wallace is from the mental health charity SANE. It's not the right place for a paranoid schizophrenic. He should be in a sheltered accommodation. He should have 20 24-hour supervision, and the family should not be exposed to that kind of um, pressure and also to the kind of fear that the girls are living in. Next, and the Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire is facing criticism for his decision to stand in the upcoming county council elections. David Lloyd's been a county councillor for nearly 15 years now, but some councillors feel he shouldn't be doing both roles. Political reporter Paul Scoynes has the details. David Lloyd was elected as the Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire in November. He's paid £75,000 a year to do that, but also has a role on the County Council, which he hopes to continue after the elections in May. Opposition councillors say this could be a conflict of interest and that he won't be able to do both jobs justice. Lloyd says that's not true and he's already been working effectively and fairly in both roles since he was elected. Now, a Buckinghamshire lecturer says our high streets are struggling because men are designing the shops and what goes into them. This year, some of Britain's biggest retailers have gone out of business. Well, Gloria Moss from Books New University says 83% of all shoppers are women, so therefore there needs to be more emphasis on what they want. But not everyone agrees. These people in Hemel Hempstead are quite happy with the layout of shops there. Because there's perfume, nice handbags, all near the front, which I can wander into. <laughs> I sometimes think it's been designed by someone who doesn't have children but no not necessarily not that observant i'm afraid never thought about it just you just get on with it because they'll do the work what they want anyway and we'll be hearing from Dr Gloria Moss in the next half an hour on BBC Three Counties Radio. A think tank's warning more than two million of the poorest households in England will pay more council tax from next week. The Joseph Roundtree Foundation, which campaigns against poverty, says the average increase for a low-income family will be almost £140 a year. Ministers say they should have taken steps to protect the most vulnerable from the rises. A BBC staff will go on strike today in a protest over compulsory job losses, workload and allegations of bullying. Members of the National Union of Journalists and the Technicians Union will walk out from noon for 12 hours. Finally, Stevenage looks set to be under the caretaker management of skipper Mark Roberts once again for the trip tomorrow. Borough sit in 15th ahead of the Good Friday game against Crawley.
Finally then, weather, not bad today actually, feeling a little bit warmer than yesterday. Temperatures reaching 5 degrees Celsius, 41 in Fahrenheit, dry for most of the day. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots of things to talk about that I know you'll want to have your say on, and uh, I'll give you the contact details in a little bit. Things coming up between now and eight o'clock include Would you be prepared to take in a relative into your home if they were mentally ill? Well, I'll be speaking to a Bedford woman who says her family is being torn apart by her brother. David Lloyd is already the Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire, but he's going to be standing in the County Council elections too. How well can you do two jobs at the same time? Well, David will be joining me in the studio to explain why he thinks he can do both jobs. And what puts you off shopping on your local high street? Is it the high car parking charges, the lack of variety? Well, one Buckinghamshire academic says it's all down to who is designing the stores. Gloria Moss will be on the show in about 20 minutes to explain why men are to blame. If you want to get in touch, you can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR or, look, all of the lines are free, so now's an excellent time to give me a call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, a Bedford woman says her family is being torn apart as she's struggling to cope with her mentally ill brother living with them. Kirsty Wilson is divorced, lives with her three children aged 18, 15 and 10. Nine months ago, her 39-year-old brother, who has paranoid schizophrenia, arrived at her doorstep as he was homeless. Since then, she's been struggling to get help from a local authority and the mental health services. Well, Kirsty's with me now. Morning, Kirsty. Hi. Thank you for coming in. How did you... Your brother just turned up out of the blue, did he? Um, yes. What, he, what happened? Um, he found me through Salvation Army. Um, we'd lost contact for many years. I haven't seen him for over ten years. Um, and then, because he, he contacted me, um, he then obviously acquired my address. We spoke, and he then one day just turned up. Um, and there he was on my doorstep with his bags. Um, can I just say, though... Um, my family isn't being torn apart by my brother. My brother right. is poorly. Yep. He's ill. It's not his fault. He he needs help. And for nine months now, I have asked politely. I have asked abruptly. I have probably screamed and shouted and begged for help. Every single department that I've been given, um, and, and nobody's helping me. One hour a week, I receive help from the mental health team. He has a CPN who comes to visit him once a fortnight. What's a CPN? Um, a community psychiatric nurse. Okay. Um, and she comes once a fortnight, asks my brother how he is, and then she leaves again. Um, I'm not saying that that's her only job descript- description. She does many things, I'm sure, behind the scenes. But she doesn't do... They, the mental health team, don't do anything other than come once a week take my brother to one of his many meetings that he has to attend and then leave. That, that's it. That's the help I get. 24-7, I'm his carer. I look after him. What help would you like in terms of helping with your brother? Um, well, initially, I, I wanted him to receive the support that, that he deserved. He, he is ill. He does need 24-hour support. 
he's paranoid he cannot go out by himself he cannot even go to the local shop um i cannot leave my children at home because he's unpredictable so therefore he sits in my house we have no life my kids friends don't come over my friends don't come over he's a stranger in my home um paranoid schizophrenia it's it's kind of a, a, a wide label how exactly does it affect your brother um again i don't understand it fully i'm not qualified um I, I'm learning about this and I have done in the nine months that he's been at my house. Um, he hears voices and um, his voices tell him to do things or um, probably say things that most people wouldn't want to hear. Most people, you know, and it is, it's, it's hearing those voices that could potentially send you crazy, which is a mental health thing. How, how many people really truly understand it? I don't know what goes through my brother's mind. Um, do the mental health team know what goes through his mind? I don't know. But the fact is, he, he is ill. He's heavily mm. medicated. He's unpredictable. And, and he deserves help. He deserves you help. You say you didn't see him for 10 years. Well, do you know what he was doing in those 10 years? Did he just disappear? Um, as children and growing up with him, he um, was always very different from the rest of us. Um, he was very much a loner. And... I, I left home at a really young age, left him, left the family, and he stayed with my mum until 13 years ago she passed away. And then he came to live with me um, 13 years ago. Then he moved, I moved him on into a hostel. He received some help, and um, he then moved into a flat of his own where, where it broke down. He was unable to cope with living on his own, so he then went to another hostel, and big circle really one hostel to another hostel he then ended up drinking a long history of drinking drugs becoming violent going to prison five years ago i mean i didn't know this then but five years ago he was diagnosed with schizophrenia and he's been from one mental unit or one mental health unit to another so we're just going around in circles he's never actually received the help that he should get and even with me trying to help him, he's still not getting the help that he should get. And how is it affecting you? And it's three daughters, isn't it? No, I've got a son and, and two son daughters. and two daughters. Sorry, how is it affecting you and your your kids? I've said it, and I'll say it again. It has absolutely torn my family apart. In what way? Um, we have no private time. Um, my house isn't big enough for my brother. He sleeps on my sofa in my only living area um my family room um my children don't have their friends come over anymore because maybe i'd be the same but i've got a strange person living in my home and their other teenage daughters are not able to come over to befriend my children so therefore they have no social life they they don't want to go out because they don't want to leave me at home on my own um basically we are prisoners within our own home um, uh, you, you say they don't want to leave you on your, on your own are, are they worried that he could get violent you say he has a history of, of, he of has, violence in the he past has, he, he has got violent really um briefly and I, i'm not afraid of my brother he's he's ill mm. um but when things are right for him and he's left to his own devices to to sit and you know not have to go out and do things or he's not encouraged to go out and do things he's fine but when he's challenged to potentially try and make his life better he cannot cope 
So therefore his only defence is to act out and I have been on the other end of that and the mental health team have actually been at my house where he has lashed out. Has he hit you? No, 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 never. Um, but he acts in a very, in a way in which he he wants to get out. He wants to he get angry. He shouts and... Um, the mental health team have actually been there when he has done that, but they brought along a chaperone with them because they couldn't attend mm. by themselves. But yet they could quite happily leave him with me and my, my children. When you've asked the local authority and, and the, the mental health services for help, yep. what have they said to you? That they are providing me help. With their brief visits? That, that, that is their help. Why do you think it's, it, it's such a battle with them? I have no idea. I, I, I'm aware that there's uh, budget cuts, um, understaffed, underpay. I, I, I don't know. I don't know um, what the limits are. There are definitely limits, but there is other funding available to help. I have been told about other funding available. Um, my brother has his own special. He could have is it personalisation, which would actually cover the cost of support that's out there. It seems whatever options I put forward to them, they're not prepared to look into or pick up the work involved to make that happen. And why is that? If, if, if there's a genuine fear of, of potential violence uh, and you're saying that you and your kids are kind of, you know, living in the kitchen while he occupies the living room, yep. why are they not helping you? Have they given you any excuses or reasons? No. no. None. Mm. Not one. What would you like to see happen? What would be your ideal situation for your family and your brother? Um, well, obviously, there are many issues. I have given loads of possibilities. Um, I have housing issues. I have um, issues with my landlord. I have issues with my brother. And they're all kind of rolled into one now. And none of the agencies, none of the support is out there. There's no help with housing. I can't privately rent because my landlord won't give me a reference, although I deserve it. There are many other issues that's involved with this. Do you feel let down by the local oh, authorities? completely. I have no, absolutely no faith in any of them anymore. I mean, I heard coming up here in the car that the local authority, Bedford Borough Council, don't have me on the database. Mm. Or my brother. Well, they've rehoused him twice since he's been at my house in the nine months that he's been there. If they don't have me or my brother on their database, how could they? How, how could they rehouse him? They've housed him incorrectly, so it's failed. Um, so therefore, um, you know, they do have me and my brother on their database. Um, the, the, the mental health team they have tried to support they've had meetings we've had a meeting with the carers in Bedfordshire we've all sat in a room within Bedford Borough Council itself so mm. if I'm not on the database I couldn't have well, sat I've got there the, I've got the statement here from the mental health services in Bedford provided by South Essex Partnership University NHS Foundation Trust they say because of patient confidentiality they, confidentiality they can't confirm or deny anything relating to this and Bedford Borough Council say there is no information on their client database regarding your brother just almost two weeks ago I sat in in the council offices among other people, carers in Bedfordshire, mental health services, people from Bedford um, Housing Aid in Bedford Borough Council itself. So if they don't have me on their database, I, I take it I wasn't at that meeting. Well, Kirsty, listen, I, I don't know if you hear, heard earlier on, we spoke to Marjorie Wallace from the mental health charity yes. SANE, and uh, we'll give you her details if you want to use them, then that's up to you. But okay. she seemed very keen to, to, to get in touch and 
uh, to possibly help. Thank you very much for coming in. Okay, I appreciate you. your time. Uh, well, there we go. 08459 455 555. We'll be talking about that a little bit more later on. Right, let's get the latest travel now, shall we? Here's Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Southbound on the M40, one lane still closed following a serious accident. A lorry and a car involved between 9 at Bicester and 8A at Oxford. Clockwise on the M25, getting reports of queuing traffic following a broken down vehicle between Junction 24 at Potter's Bar and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. Also slow anti-clockwise between 21 at the M1 and 20 at Kings Langley and again between 17 at Maple Cross and 16 at the M40. Now Marlborough Street, that's heading through Milton Keynes. It is still blocked following an accident involving one car on the a509 at Portway just happened on the roundabout there. Everything else not too bad at the moment. Trains moving nicely at the moment, but if as well, but if you spot anything, do be sure to get in touch. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Sophie. Right, 7.15. It's Thursday, the 28th of March. I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. As you've just heard, a Bedford woman says her family is being torn apart because she's not getting enough support with her mentally ill brother who's living with them. Councillors are against the Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire standing in the upcoming county council elections. And in sport, Watford's Nyron Nosworthy has been ruled out of tomorrow's game because of injury and having a made-up name. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. A few isolated wintry showers possible, but dry for the most part with some bright or sunny spells. Maximum temperature is 5 degrees. Coming up, high streets in the three counties are struggling because shops and their products are designed by men, but it's women who use them. Well, that's according to one Buckinghamshire academic. She'll be joining us on the show before 7.30 to tell us more. What do you think? 08459 455 555. And also... What have you locked yourself out of? And is it possible in 2013 to lock your keys in your car? I don't think it is. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday morning from nine. The JVS Show. With the biggest questions. Today on the big phone-in, I'm asking, would you support some dog breeds being removed from this country? Should traffic wardens be more lenient? Would the government be right to drop the minimum price for alcohol? And the biggest opinions. I think the tax is completely unfair. It doesn't matter how old they are or how young they are. They're still your children. It doesn't matter whether it's male or female or what. I'm disgusted with the people that... You should have cut them people off. The JVS Show. Weekdays from nine. On BBC Three Counties Radio. We're discussing being locked out of things. On Monday it was things you've been locked in because of, uh, or trapped in, because of the poor lady that was stuck in a, in a lift in a hotel and missed her flight. More on that story later, by the way. Well, today, Sophie Tyler, our travel expert, has been locked out of her home. And there's no, nobody who's going to be in the, the house until Monday. So she's got a really bad Easter weekend coming up. I'm asking, what have you been locked out of? I have been locked out of my house more times than I care to remember. Locked out of cars. And, and, and then that got us into, can you lock your keys in your car anymore? I don't think, I don't think it's possible, is it? In, in a fairly modern car. Trevor's in Radlett. Trevor, you can't do it anymore, can you? Morning, Ian. Morning. Um, yeah, he's easier now than you could before. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, I just turned that off. What on earth um, have you got? What on earth was that? Have you got a children's <laughs> toy there with you? That's <laughs> no, another phone. Oh, blimey. Um, yeah, the thing is with a lot of these new alarm systems, especially the Cat 1 alarm systems, you have auto arm. Yeah, right. So if you forget to arm the car, 
it will arm it, and because your central locking's wired into it, it will lock it. When you say arm the car... Yeah, the alarm system. Oh, OK, right, so sorry. Yes, I thought, OK, right, yeah. So it, you, so the keys get locked in, but you, you don't yeah. have the, the little thing that you, that you put down in the door anymore, the little switch. No, no, that's it. You, you can still get in them if you know what you're doing, but it is oh. awkward. Oh, but, hang on, if you know what you're doing. I'm guessing you can't use the old um, coat hanger trick anymore. On some of them you still can, but right. if you look at a lot of them, they've been rounded off and smoothed to stop you doing that. Oh, I mean. But, because um, my neighbour's little boy got locked in the back of the car in the summer, oh. in his car seat. Oh, no. How old? Uh, I think at the time he was about 14 months. Oh, no! I'm laughing. That's terrible. But, uh, yeah, but she put her keys on the parcel shelf. She was getting the shopping out. She shut the boot, and as soon as she shut the boot, all the doors locked. And luckily, the deadlocks didn't cut in. Right. Because then you, you won't get in it. You have to break a window. Oh, dear. Trevor, listen, thank you very much indeed. OK, well, it turns out I'm wrong. You can lock your keys in the car. Oh, wait, 459 455 555. My daughter shut my keys in my car, says Kaz from Welling Garden City on the text. We've got a 4x4. She wanted something from the boot, which is glass, lifts up and the door swings open. She flicked the button for the boot, opened it all, rested keys in the boot, found what she wanted shut the door, then slammed the glass down and realised the keys were still inside. She had to get the rescue people out as it was on holiday. I've shut the front door twice with no keys, and if the bolts are not thrown, it's easy to break in again. It's scary. It's very easy to open front doors. If you've not done the bolt, always do the bolt. I could break into your house. Here's the thing. I bought a car last week. Why do they say five doors? It's a five-door car. No, it's not. Where's the fifth door? Oh, you mean the boot. It's four doors... With a boot. I hate that. Fu- yeah, it's got five doors. No, it doesn't. It doesn't have five doors at all. Muppet. Now, you may have been put off going to your local high street because you do your shopping online or there's not enough variety of stores or maybe it costs too much to park. Well, a Buckinghamshire academic claims our high streets are struggling because of men. It's because they design the shops and what goes in them. And that's putting women off. Well, it's been a very difficult year already for many retailers, with HMV, Jessops and Blockbusters all going into administration. Dr Gloria Moss from Bucks New University says there needs to be more emphasis on what women want because they shop more. Well, we'll speak to her in a couple of minutes. But before then, Justin Dealey has been in Hemel asking shoppers what puts them off shopping on the high street. They're all the same. So I could go to Watford, I could... I could go up to London, but they're all the same. It's too same for you. What about the design? As a lady, do you think the design of shops is appealing to you? Oh, yes. Yes, I can walk into Marks and Sparks and be quite happy. British Home Stores. John Lewis is very nice because you've got the perfumes at the front. So you so don't think that design, then, is too manly? You wouldn't think no. it's been designed by no. a man? No, I wouldn't. No, because there's perfume, nice handbags, all near the front, which I can wander into. OK, you're from Berkhamsted. Does anything put you off your local high street in Berkhamsted? Um, no, it's, it's a really nice high street. I think just because it's a small town, there, after a while, you kind of go into the same shops repeatedly, so it's nice to have a change. But okay, no, so you're happy with that. What about Hemel High Street? What puts you off Hemel Hempstead High Street? Um, just probably the shops are slightly different, and they're not as nice as the ones in Berkhamsted. So, although the actual pedestrianised bit in Hemel is great for because I've got two small children, so one of them can run around quite safely. So. Okay, and just lastly, in terms of the Marlows in Hemel, the big shopping yeah. centre there, but there's never a point where you walk into a shop and you think, oh, here we go. This has clearly been designed by a man. You, you never thought that once. Oh, I sometimes think it's been designed by someone who doesn't have children, but no, not necessarily. Not that observant, I'm afraid. 
Two ladies here. Madam, in terms of your local high street, we're here in Hemel today. What puts you off your local high street? Having a lot of shops closed down, which Hemel does, um, because people shopping online now. And it's just miserable to go in there and find sort of half the shops closed down. Okay. And Madam, what about yourself? What puts you off Hemel High Street? Nothing. I quite like Hemel High Street. It's St Albans. I can't. Yeah. Can't stop. Got to gripe about it. And very, very quickly, um, the actual design of the shops. Would you say, as a lady, that the design of those shops it is not appealing to you? Never thought about it. Just you just get on with it because they'll do the work, what they want anyway. So. And yourself? Same for me. Well, that was uh, Justin Dealey speaking to shoppers in Hemel. Joined now by two guests, we have uh, Yona Carter, is the director of the Shopper Research Agency, Shopper Centric. Morning, Yona. Good morning. And but before that, let's talk to Dr. Gloria Moss, who is a reader in management and marketing at Buckinghamshire New University. Good morning, Doctor. Hi. Good morning. Ian. The problem with the high street is they're all designed by men. Well, I wouldn't put it quite like that, but the, the decline in our high street is absolutely appalling. We've got one in nine shops in the UK closed. 20 shops close every day. There's a clear decline in the popularity of the high street. And if we're going to reverse this negative trend, it's essential to acknowledge the absolutely dominating role that women play in shopping. They buy more than 80% of goods. So what we really need to do is, like you've been doing, interviewing women, is actually focus on what women want in the high street. Uh, but, but, so what do they want that they're not getting now? And, it, what, and it's, it's men's fault? No, I wouldn't say it's men's fault. It's, 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 it's nobody's fault in that sense. It's a complex web of factors that we need to consider. But there's a factor that it cries out for attention, and that is that think shopping, you think women. Well, I don't know if I do, Doctor. I, I, I was in my high street at the weekend, and I, I don't think it was predominantly women that were there. Ah, oh, well, that, that may be uh, the day that you went, but it, it, statistics huh? uh, reveal that, um, that women are the majority of shoppers. They, the estimates vary, but they between 70 and 80 percent well, let's ask, let's are, ask her. Are, bought by, are bought by women. Let me ask Yona Carter. Yona, is, is, that, is that true? Um, I think we are still in, in the day at the moment where you could quite safely say that the majority of shopping is still done by women. But I have to say that we do see that that is beginning to change as our lifestyles change and, um, you know, more working mothers nowadays, you know, the, the division of responsibility in the household is beginning to change and men are starting to, well, have done for some time, if I'm honest, you know, sort of take, take more of their fair share of the grocery shopping, but also, you know, sort of doing their own shopping as well. And as those younger men in particular start to come through and, and, and become the big spenders within within society, then I think that will actually start to change. We did some research um, a year or so ago which showed that around about half or just over half, actually, of men said that they shop whatever they're shopping for, but they actually go to the shops for something every couple of days. So they're certainly not sitting at home anymore. But I think, you know, at this moment in time, probably the balance still is in favour of us women. So, Dr Gloria, what, 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 Marcia, what are you saying about the design of shops, then, that they should be more feminine? Well, um, what I'm saying is something is happening uh, at an unconscious level. I've done uh, a number of experiments over a large number of years in which I've compared the preferences of men and women uh, for all sorts of different kinds of design, be it websites, be it graphic design, product design, retail interiors. And what you find consistently is that 
by and large, and there will always be exceptions from men and women, but by and large, what he likes is different from what she likes. And a lot of the time, he is doing the actual designing for the woman. And he tends to like um, straight lines, little detail, few colors. She likes the opposite. She likes round shapes, lots of detail, lots of colors. And what we have is really hunter vision because um, men's uh, visual spatial abilities are actually different from women's. So we have hunter vision on the one hand and we have what I like to call gatherer vision on the other because um, the, the differences in how men and women see their visual spatial abilities has evolved over hundreds of thousands of years of hunting and gathering. Uh, so he, and all those jokes about she can't park, you're absolutely right, he has a better uh, 3D vo rotational visual skills than she has, and she has better colour vision than he has. There Yo, are uh, these strong differences. Yona, do you think that stores are, are, are laid out in, in favour of men? I always thought that the, the interior design was done by women or, or gay men. Well, it's quite, it's quite subtle. It, um, these differences are, are subtle, but the, the results in the experiments show very clearly and consistently that he prefers the designs that men produce and she prefers the designs that women Let me put that point mm. to Yoni. Yoni, would you agree with that? I think I, I definitely agree with, with the points um, that Gloria was making around the, the fact that men and women have different preferences and they shop very differently, partially as a result of that. I mean, we've, we've called men the guided missiles of, of the shopping world in the past. You know, they are very purposeful and they do like things to be fairly simple and whatever. I'm not sure if I'm honest that I, that I agree 100% with the idea that the design of stores um, is something that is, you know, sort of is, is putting women off necessarily. I mean, we heard our our uh, people over there down in in, um, in Hamill talking about how you know so they're they're not necessarily noticing it though of course you know so some of these things will operate at the subliminal level but I think if you consider certain environments you know somebody was mentioning there the the perfume halls and if you look at the um, if you take somewhere like Selfridges for example I mean they are very very department stores in particular can be very female led environments you know the lines of vision and so on and what we found in our research in fact is that. A lot of men are saying that, in fact, that what puts them off shopping when they are put off shopping is the fact that things aren't simple enough, um, that there has to be too much of this sort of, you know, looking around before they actually get to the point of, of actually finding, which is why a lot of men are saying, you know, sort of men have led the online trend um, of course, us women have followed on very quickly afterwards nowadays. But, you know, sort of that, that we, we found something a little bit different in our research. But um, I think there's truth in both sides. Yona, thank you very much. We have to end it there. Yona Carter, Director of uh, Shopper Research Agency, Shoppercentric. And before that, you heard Dr Gloria Moss, who is a reader in management and marketing at Buckinghamshire New University. By the way, Dr Gloria Moss used the phrase hunter vision. If anybody were to release a film called Hunter Vision, I would so go and see that. Isn't it so wonderful? There must be one from the 80s on a VHS somewhere. Here's the travel news now with Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Southbound on the M40, one lane still closed following a serious accident. A lorry and a car involved to 9 at Bicester and 8A at Oxford. Clockwise on the M25, also reports of skewing traffic still following the earlier broken down vehicle between 24 at Potter's Bar and 25 at Enfield. Anti-clockwise, also slow where you'd expect between 21 at the M1 and 20 at Kings Langley. And also again between 17 at Maple Cross and 16 at the M40. Now the Barnet Bypass is uh, also slow queuing at the moment, heading south between Stirling Corner and Mill Hill Circus and the A405 at North Orbital Road, also heavy around the M25 Junction 21A roundabout. Everything else not too bad, trains moving nicely at the moment. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much Sophie. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. Let's get the latest news and sport now with Serena. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. A Bedford woman says her family's been torn apart because she's not getting enough support with her mentally ill brother who's living with them. Elsewhere, councillors are against the police and crime commissioner for Hertford just standing in the upcoming county council elections. And we'll be hearing from David Lloyd shortly. A think tank's warning more than two million of the poorest households in England will pay more council tax from next week. And as we've just been hearing, a lecturer from Buckinghamshire says our high streets are struggling. It's all because men are designing the shops and what goes into them. That's the news. Now let's turn to all the morning sport. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sport. BBC Three Counties Radio. So starting with the Championship and Watford will check on the fitness of several players after international duty. That's ahead of tomorrow's home game against former manager Sean Dyche's Burnley. But defender Nyron Nosworthy is definitely missing after suffering an ankle injury playing for Jamaica. Simon Oxley has the details. Nosworthy's injury could mean a return for fit again Fitz Hall, with manager Gianfranco Zola waiting on leading scorer Matej Vidra, who scored twice for the Czech Republic on Tuesday, new Jamaican international Lloyd Doyley, and England under-21 midfielder Nathaniel Chalabar. Key midfielder Alman Abdi could also be fit to return. Zola has often rested players after internationals, but with so much at stake, will he do so again? Let's look at the other local games then for tomorrow, and Mark Roberts will remain in charge of Stevenage for the trip to Crawley. They're in 15th position and Milton Keynes Dons make the long trip to Hartlepool with striker Izali McLeod an injury doubt elsewhere in League 2 Wickham host Accrington at Adams Park and let's turn to Milton Keynes Lightning there the chairman says everything will be done to make the ice hockey team's temporary move to Coventry as painless as possible the club's junior teams may move to Oxford Vito Rosa hosted a fans forum this week ahead of the refurbishment of the rink in MK it's going to have an impact no question about it but at the same time, we think um, many of our fans will make the travel up to um, up to Milton, up to uh, Coventry from Milton Keynes. We're going to be laying on coaches, and we're going to try and make it as easy, easy as we possibly can. Finally, tennis and Andy Murray plays Marin Cilic in the quarterfinals of the Miami Masters tonight. Now he'll replace Roger Federer as the world number two if he wins the tournament. His coach Ivan Lendl has put his improvement down to being able to cope mentally. He's taking care of. Uh matches uh, a bit easier at times he also uh, is steadier in his uh, in his results and uh, doesn't seem to have as many downs as he did before and i'm pleased with that bbc three counties radio there'll be more from me at eight ivan did i say what did i say you said ivan it's ivan oh, i did say but yeah this is the only sports name i know how to say ivan that's true. Yeah. It's like a van. I have to think of like a car derived van, don't I? Like some, a tranny van or something like that. A tranny van? Yeah, my dad has what? one. I love a tranny van. I, I don't even want to go there. <laughs> Across beds, hearts, and barks, this is Ian Lee. Wow. On BBC Three Counties Radio.
There's an image for you at 7.30 in the morning. Uh, morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up in the next 30 minutes, David Lloyd is already the Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire, but he's going to be standing in the County Council elections too. How well can you do two jobs at the same time? Well, David will be joining me in the studio to explain why he thinks he can do both jobs. And do you remember on Tuesday, it was Tuesday, was it, we told you about a woman who'd missed her flight to Turkey because she got stuck in a hotel lift for an hour and a half. Well, we've spoken to the hotel, and I believe that things may have progressed slightly. As I've said before, I am the new Jonathan Vernon Smith. This is the new Consumer Show. 08459 455 555. Now, the Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire is facing criticism for his decision to stand in the upcoming county council elections. David Lloyd has been a Conservative county councillor for nearly 15 years, but will stand down from his job as a borough councillor in May. However, opposition parties uh, and members of the public say the PCC job is too big to do part-time. Here's what some residents in Mark Yate told us. Well, I suppose it depends on how well he's doing his job and whether he can make the meetings and things like that by doing two jobs. No, he should just do the one job. We need the police just to do their job. There's so much crime, it needs just to be the police job. The way the country is at the moment, I think the policing is a big thing and I think that's what he should be there for. So he shouldn't be devoting some of his time to something else. David Lloyd is joining me in the studio. You heard the lady there. It's a big job, the PCC. You shouldn't be devoting your time to something else. Well, uh, I'm uh, flattered that uh, they see how large a job it is, and I think the first month or so, uh, the first three months that I've been doing it, people have seen me around. I've been here quite a few times talking about the role, um, but all that time I've been uh, functioning as a county council as well, and I think uh, doing it uh, quite well. Um, certainly this morning I was picking up a text on uh, secondary transfer and how I can help with that, and I will be helping that, uh, that couple make sure they get their child into the right school, as I have done for the last many years years, um, really the real reason for wanting to do the two together is that I find it really important that an area uh, like Hertfordshire um, is pulled together along with what we do in uh, policing so that we can get better delivery of services. And you know that, uh, for example, I have recently appointed uh, the uh, Chief Fire Officer, a County Council Officer, um, to be my Chief Executive because I think this is about working closely together. And unusually, Hertfordshire, most constabularies, Bedfordshire for instance, uh, Thames Valley for instance, that the upper tier authority doesn't cover exactly the same borders. Hertfordshire does and I think that's a unique opportunity and that I should take it to ensure that we get even better policing. There have been uh, comments that you will possibly give preferential treatment to your area. Well, um, I'm sure that, and I, th- I think uh, Sharon Taylor, the Labour leader, has said something like that. Um, and I'm uh, very pleased that she recognises how hard I work for local residents and for those very people in Mark Yate. Uh, I think, you know, she recognises how well I work for them. But of course, I have no executive responsibility. I can't take any decisions myself which are going to commit the uh, county council to doing something. I, like Sharon, am just another backbench member of the county council. But what I can do is ensure that we're working properly together. In other areas, the PCC and his deputy in Humberside, for example, were both councillors. They've stood down after their council voted in a motion saying that it wasn't right. Yeah. And um, you see, there is no Humberside council, and this is the point I'm making. In Humberside, they were members actually of East Yorkshire Council, which is a part of six or seven different councils which make up the Humberside constabulary. Mm. Hertfordshire 
the constabulary and the upper tier authority, the county council, are exactly the same area. And so that is a, a very different prospect because there isn't a suggestion that actually you are an East York's man rather than a Hull man. Uh, I'm a Hertfordshire man through and through and I'll continue to fight for the residents of Hertfordshire to ensure that crime remains very, very low in this county. We m- mentioned Sharon Taylor. Let me read you what Stephen Giles Medhurst, leader of the Lib Dem group uh, on Hearts County Council, has said. I'm disappointed David's not standing down as a county councillor. Quite clearly... I'd assume, as I expect the voters who did vote for him would, that the job of police and crime commissioner was a full-time role. Considering the county meetings are during the day, he would need to miss either those or vital PCC work. He can't be in two places at once, and he's earning around £70,000 a year as PCC, so not sure why he wants to do anything else. What would you say to Stephen? Well, um... I'm very interested because, of course, Stephen's reflecting on what he used to do. Um, He used to turn up to county council meetings in the morning. He used to run off to the job that he was doing on a full-time basis in the afternoon. I've never done that. I've always managed my diary properly. And actually, uh, what we're talking about isn't five days a week in the county council. I will be a backbench county councillor. I will ensure that I turn up to full council meetings and to the other committees I'm on. But because this role... Uh, representing people is a full-time role. I think you will admit that I'm in here very frequently. At oh, we can't get rid of you. You're, every morning you're turning up trying to get in. <laughs> I'm here at 7 in the morning. I work all the way through to 11 at, my, at night. Like many people, uh, I will have a full-time role and will also be able to be a very effective county councillor. And I have to say that uh, I'm surprised that Stephen feels that people have to be full-time county councillors and give up their job, given the fact that he didn't do that, which I think is rather hypocritical. Can I read you a text from Pat? Yes. It's a little bit rude. Oh, I'm always pleased okay, to hear okay. rude text. David Lloyd should be allowed to stand for the county council, but he should resign as a PCC because that role is supposed to be non-political. While he's in the role as a PCC, he's not committing a fraudulent act knowing he got the role... Sorry, is he not committing a fraudulent act knowing he got the role as a Conservative? He seems to be either a greedy man, given his jobs, or naively stupid. So which are you, greedy or stupid? Well, uh, neither. Um, what I am is someone who believes in putting Hertfordshire first and foremost. Um, I think it really is, um, you know, people don't understand the role of PCC, and I think that I've established that over the first few months. Clearly, I was elected uh, proudly as a Conservative. Clearly, many of my policies are policies which you would expect uh, someone who has that tradition to come up with. But it is supposed uh, to be a non-political role, isn't it, the PCC? The, the role of uh, PCC is not non-political. No, that is a, a misunderstanding. Right. That's why you stand, um, or some people have stood for political parties and been elected on that, so it can't possibly be non-political on that basis. But what I reiterate is the pledge that I made at the outset to serve everyone without fear. And actually, that's exactly the same pledge that I privately make for all of my constituents as a county councillor. I serve everyone. I don't look at how they voted because, frankly, that isn't what worries me. What worries me is that I get the job done. Uh, you're releasing your police and crime plan today. I am indeed. Well, th- th- one of the things you mentioned before was um, charging people to stay in prisons. Where, how, how far are you with that? Well, um, that's part of the whole 
broad thrust that the criminal should pay rather than you and I having to play, pay for what they have done. And uh, uh, we still have in there that the criminal should pay. And that works through in all sorts of areas, um, whether or not that's the uh, um, uh, person having to, to pay in cells overnight, and if we can bring that in, we will. But actually that also is around if someone injures uh, a police officer, um, that uh, they should not only have to pay for the uh, uh, criminal injury, but they should also pay for the replacement police officer whilst that officer's off duty. I think that's one of the really positive things that has come out of the plan, and it's amazing how many people have been supportive of the fact that the criminal pays rather than the taxpayer. Any other ideas in, in, in the plan that we should be excited about? I think that it's uh, a, a very exciting plan. Um, there are uh, four broad themes. One is that, uh, that, that criminal offender pays. One is around uh, ensuring that we have greater business sense in what we're doing. Um, one is building on where we uh, already are, which is one of the safest places in the country to, to live and work. Um, but the most important one is putting the victim at the heart of everything we do and making sure that we really get up and running with this customer care so that uh, if you are uh, the victim of a crime, if you're, re you're really unlikely to be the victim of a crime, but if you are, that you get first-class service, mm. um, which I think already you're getting, but I really want to keep pushing and pushing and pushing on that. Going back to this issue of having, uh, having two jobs, you, you say you can cope with it. Even if you can cope with it, are you not worried that, that the public perception, such as Pat's, is that you can't and that you are being greedy? Do you not worry that people might I, not see it as, as, as you see it? Yes, of course I worry about that, because um, clearly I want people to realise, A, how hard I'm working, and B, why I'm doing it. Because, uh, unfortunately, there are, and, and that is the, the yarboo of party politics, but there are some cynics out there who are trying their utmost to find a reason that I shouldn't uh, continue doing what I'm doing. And I think that's really very sad, because actually the reason that I'm doing it is I think that I will be a far more effective police and crime commissioner if I've also got a foot in the camp of the county council because the way that we deliver the reduction in crime is through partner working and probably the biggest partner with which we work is going to be the county council. David, thank you very much for coming in. Thanks, Ian. It's lovely to see you, David Good Lloyd. Uh, 08459 455 555. You heard David's uh, robust defence of uh, his position. What do you think? Do you think that's... Uh, have you got two jobs? How easy is it to do? I'm shattered after just doing three hours' work. For goodness sakes, I couldn't do anything like that. 08459 455 555. 7.44, here's the travel with Sophie Tyler. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good news, first of all, heading south on the M40. All lanes have been reopened and the accident has been cleared around Junction 9 at Bicester. Now, southbound, though, on the M1, one lane is blocked with delays following an accident. Two cars involved between 12 at Flittick and the Toddington services. And clockwise, also getting reports at the moment on the M25 of queuing traffic following a broken down vehicle between 24 at Potter's Bar and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. Now, Marlow Hill, that's the A404 heading north through uh, High Wycombe, also looking slow and partially blocked following an accident, a car and a bike in involved just around Barracks Road. Police are at the scene at the moment. Everything else not looking too bad at the moment. Trains are still moving nicely on the departure boards. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Sophie, thank you very much indeed. Right, 7.45 exactly. It's Thursday the 28th of March. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A Bedford woman says her family has been torn apart because she's not getting enough support with her mentally ill brother who's living with them. 
Hertfordshire's Police and Crime Commissioner is set to stand in the upcoming county council elections because he wants to pull together all the different services in the country. In the county, I do apologise. And in sport, Watford's defender Nyron Nosworthy is out of tomorrow's game because of injury. Coming up, do you remember on Tuesday... We told you about a woman who'd missed her flight to Turkey because she got stuck in a lift for an hour and a half. Well, she was very upset. Holiday was ruined. We've spoken to the hotel. We might have some interesting news for Lynn Larson. I don't know what this is. I haven't been told yet. We'll find out before 8 o'clock. But now let's get the weather. Here's Elizabeth Rossini. Beds, hearts and bugs weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello. A very good morning to you. Well, if you look up, you might just see a bit of blue sky. There's certainly lots of lovely sunshine out there this morning. I don't think it will last long into the afternoon. I think it is going to turn cloudy, so do enjoy it while it's still there. Now, temperatures are below freezing at the moment. They'll rise slowly through the course of the day, all the way to the rather dizzy heights of between 4 and 6 degrees Celsius in Stevenage, Milton Keynes, Luton, and in High Wycombe as well. That's just 43 in Fahrenheit. It's still going to be bitterly cold and it will feel mighty chilly as soon as we get the cloud cover back as well. Now, the northeasterly wind, it's still there, it's still bitter, but it is slightly lighter than we've been seeing over the last couple of days so a bit of good news there and it will drop a touch further into this evening and overnight so we can expect to see a severe frost into tomorrow temperatures widely down to minus three minus four degrees celsius lots of clear skies as well now all the while we do run the risk of seeing just one or two very light wintry flurries really not amounting to very much just a bit of icing sugar dusting perhaps um through tonight and and possibly into tomorrow morning as well i think a cloudier picture tomorrow again a bit of brightness around at times, still feeling cold. In fact, it's looking similar for the rest of the Easter Bank holiday weekend. So, yeah, Good Friday, Easter Saturday, Easter Sunday, Easter Monday, all much the same. It's going to be mostly dry, but it will feel bitterly cold. That's the forecast. Thanks very much, Elizabeth. We're bringing you a host of sporting treats this Easter weekend on Three Counties Sport. On Friday, there's a feast of football as Watford are at home to Burnley. Cassetti taps it on, and it's poked all over the line by Fernando Forestieri. MK Dons travel north to face Hartlepool. Gleeson, they're going to the end of the geese and Dons! 2 0 to the Dons! And Stevenage make the trip to Crawley. Curls it in, oh, it's gone in! Freeman from the free kick! Good Friday, great football. Three Counties Sport, Friday from 2 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, we just had uh, David Lloyd in, the uh, Police and Crime Commissioner, and uh, he, he's up for two jobs, working on the council and being the PCC. Well, what do you think about that? Jean's in Stevenage. Morning, Jean. Good morning. Jean, what, you, you heard David Lloyd there. He seemed to put forward a rather strong defence of his position, I thought. Defending him? I'm not. No, no, no. I said that he put forward a very strong oh, defence. Yes. <laughs> yes. No. Right. I believe that he should not be up for county council again. And surely, and I applaud to the people of Hertfordshire not to vote him in, because in the area I live in, Stevenage, since Christmas, we've had 54 burglaries. Right. And he should be concentrating on the police and the crime. And I'm also sure that the only reason he got voted in in November was because it doesn't matter who I talk to, in November, well, we didn't vote because we didn't know enough about it. 
the government pushed it through too quick. People didn't know anything about the police commissioner well, Jean, or what they were voting for. Jean, in all fairness, if you've been listening to BBC Three Counties Radio, I know that Roberto did several specials about it. We mentioned it quite a lot on this show. So the information was out there. You didn't get the leaflets through your doors, but the information was there. Yeah, but not everybody listens to it. I know. Uh, tell me about this it. I've seen the, the figures. Problem, huh? And we didn't have enough time. But I really, really think um, that people should vote on their feet and this David Lloyd should concentrate on being the police commissioner and give up the council. You think he's being greedy? I do think he's being very greedy. He gets For being the police and crime commissioner, he gets £75,000 a year. So, that, that's, I mean, some people don't get that in ten years. Jean, thank you very much indeed. 08459 555 555. Well, what do you think? I, I, his defence seems very robust to me. I, I, time will tell whether he can do both jobs. Um, what do you think? Is he being greedy? Should he just focus on, on, on one job? Or do you think he can handle both? 08459 455 555. And uh, there were complaints that there wasn't that much information about the elections. But I do know that here, if you're listening to BBC Three Counties Radio, we covered it, some might say, a little bit too much in too much detail. I don't know. Uh, we covered it on this show a lot. And uh, uh, Roberto, I listened to several debates that Roberto had for all of the, uh, the various uh, the, the regions. So the information was out there. And leaflets weren't posted through the doors, but the, the information was there if you looked for it. So I'm, I'm not sure if that argument necessarily stands. 08459 455 555. What's your, uh, your thought on that? Now, earlier this week... Incredible story we told you about a couple from Wales who missed their flight to Turkey because they got stuck in a lift in Luton. Well, this morning we have an update from the hotel responsible. It was the it was the Ibis Hotel at Luton Airport, wasn't it, Justin? Yep, that's the one, Ian. It was uh, quite a controversial story. This happened on uh, Monday morning. The Ibis Hotel, which is right next door to Luton Airport. This was Lynn Larson and her husband. They travelled from Wales, so they wouldn't oversleep the next morning and they could be near to Luton Airport to get their flight. They were flying out to Istanbul. It was an early morning flight, so they'd gone to the hotel the night before. They they got their suitcases, they were going down to reception, they were going to check out, and then they were off to the airport for their holiday. And this is when disaster struck, because they missed their flight, because the lift jammed, and they were stuck in that lift for 90 minutes. It was a, a terrible ordeal for them, and I spoke to Lynn when she had just come out of the lift. Well, we missed it because we were stuck in the lift in the Ibis Hotel at Luperton Airport for an hour and a half. It must have been quite scary in there for an hour and a half. Yeah, it was, yeah. I felt quite panicky, you know. And where have you travelled from to be here today? We, we live in North Wales, so we travelled down yesterday to stay in this airport so we could get our flight, because the flight was leaving at six in the morning. But we were stuck in the lift from about quarter past four till about quarter to six. So now you've missed your flight, what's going to happen next? Well, we've missed our holiday and we've also booked an internal flight in Turkey. Well, a few internal flights, so we've missed all of them and hotels we've booked. So I'm just hoping the insurance will cover it. But obviously we were looking forward to having a holiday as well. I mean, it's quite an unusual situation. Just explain how you feel right now. You must feel angry. I do, yes. I feel disappointed and I feel 
yeah, I feel angry, but it's a bit somehow it's somehow surreal at the moment. It's just happened. You can't quite take it in. You know, I can't believe this has happened to me. And when you spoke to EasyJet, what did they say about it? Well, the woman said, "I've heard all excuses why people have missed their planes, but I've never heard that one before." But it's absolutely genuine. Yes, yes. And there were another couple in the lift with us, and I don't know if they managed to get their flight. They were going to Marrakesh. Justin, you said something that confused me. Mm. You said you spoke to her just after she left the lift. Yes. What were you doing there? Just well, loitering by a lift at five o'clock in the morning? <laughs> oh, I was at, actually at Luton Airport on Monday. Right. Um, talking about another controversial story, that doctor who said that people should be charged by their, oh, by yeah. their pound yep. to travel. So we were getting reaction from people who were going to be travelling. Clearly, Lynn didn't travel. Some people may be asking the question, well, why couldn't she go later in the day? She couldn't get another flight to Istanbul until Saturday, and, of course, she'd have had to pay the money out as well. So that's why her holiday was effectively ruined but so many people have been asking me about this this week yeah. because it's such an unusual story people often miss flights because they're stuck in traffic or or they oversleep but very rarely do you hear of anybody who's missed their flight who's missed their holiday because they've been stuck in a lift well justin just stay there for one second please because lynn larson is on the line now good morning lynn good morning lynn just try and describe again how you felt when you realized you weren't going to get out of that lift in time and you're going to miss your flight well, I was disappointed about missing the holiday because we've been looking forward to it for a long time and planning it. But I was also just worried about actually getting out of the lift at mm. the time. You could have had to stay in there forever. Well, Lynn, Justin has some news. Justin, what's, what's the latest on this? Yes, yeah, so we've got an update here from the Ibis Hotel. Now, they say the general manager of the hotel is liaising directly with the guests to assess all the details of their trip and the costs involved. The hotel will then take the appropriate action in terms of reparation. Now, we've also had a word with the general manager ourselves and he's told us that he's spoken to the guest, that's Lynn, who's on the line right now, and apologised as well. He said they were getting together a list of expenses and the hotel will look oh. at where they can compensate. So so clearly they are looking at this saying, well, this did happen, and they're trying to, to hopefully come up with some sort of offer for Lynn. It's not, it's, it's not quite as good as I, news as I was expecting. Lynn, have, have the hotel apologised to you? Uh, they spoke to my husband yesterday and they did apologise and they took responsibility for what has happened and they said they would pay back any costs which we have already incurred towards the holiday. Uh, are you happy with that? Well, I'm not completely happy because even if we get all our money back we've already paid, we've still missed out on the holiday and I think we should have some kind of goodwill gesture on top of that. Well, I, listen, I know that J- JVS, this is where JVS and I differ. He doesn't do compensation, and I think that's his downfall, because I, I, I agree. I'm taking off my impartial BBC hat. <laughs> I think I totally agree. You should, get, you should get everything that you spent, and then some as well. But, Justin, they've given no hint of that. They are just saying it's going to be the expenses that she's incurred. Mm, that's what they're saying at this moment in time. I suppose what they may well do is, is offer those expenses back and they say, that's a goodwill gesture. Would you like to stay in the Ibis Hotel <laughs> and lose them once again? <laughs> well, Lynn, would you, ever, would you ever stay in the Ibis again? Um, 
I'm not sure. I thought if I'd use the lift. Yeah, I was yeah. happy with the hotel otherwise, yeah. but not the lift, you know. What they, this is what they should be doing, right? They should give you all the money you've spent. They should negotiate with your employers uh, to get you a paid week off work, and they should fly you out to Turkey for for a week, all expenses paid. I don't know what you're giggling for, Dealey. Well, I think that's perfect. If you're running a business, you'd be out of business in, in a week, wouldn't you? Well, all this these is, deals. This, this is why my, my uh, holiday uh, hotel company did fold several yes. years ago. It's, <laughs> uh, that's why. Well, listen, it's lovely to speak to you. We'll, we'll keep following this, and, and do keep us informed of any developments, won't you? I will, yeah. Lynn, thank you very much indeed. And, and Justin, you know, do you not think, though, for them to say, oh, yeah, well, we'll cover your expenses, mm. they, they've probably taken time off work. They've, they've, yeah. They were all... Ex- that excitement you get when you know yeah. you've got a holiday. Five more sleeps till my mm. holiday. Mm. And then that's snatched away from you, Justin. As you get stuck in a lift. I mean, it's, it's not for me to say what they should and what they shouldn't be doing, but clearly... Grow a pair. The, the, the <laughs> grow a pair and say... It's, it's a highly unusual situation. I don't think ever the Ibis Hotel would have come across this before somebody staying in their hotel off to Luton Airport and then they get stuck in a lift. I'm sure if it was a, a more common complaint they would deal with it a lot quickly, but um, a lot quicker but but with this it's just so unusual let's see what they do. You never know over the weekend that they, they might make more progress again. Justin, where, whereabouts are you off to now? I'm in St Albans so um, yes, wh- whatever you want me to do I should do for you. Well, could you, could you get me a fried egg sandwich and uh, a cup yeah, of coffee? Yes, I can do that. Yes. Excellent stuff. Speak to you later on. Thank you very much uh, indeed. If you want to hear the, uh, the official BBC 3K County's consumer show, then listen to Jonathan Vernon-Smith. He's on between 9 and 12. His consumer hour starts at 11. I, I, I would just warn Jonathan to, to be careful that there's a, there's a new consumer king in town and this bad boy goes for compo. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Southbound on the M1, one lane is blocked with queuing traffic following an accident. Two cars involved near Junction 12 at Flittick with congestion back towards uh, Junction 13 at Bedford at the moment. Anti-clockwise on the M25 also looking at delays of around 20 minutes between 17 at Maple Cross and 16 at the M40. While heading north on the A404, that's Marlow Hill through High Wycombe. Still looking slow and partially blocked following an accident involving a car and a bike just around Barracks Road. And Watton Road in Nebworth also partially blocked. Hazardous driving conditions there following an accident and lots of ice between Nebworth and Hartford Road. Everything else not looking too bad actually at the moment. Trains still moving fairly nicely on the departure boards. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Sophie. Coming up in the next hour, would you be prepared to take in a relative into your home if they were mentally ill? Well, we're going to hear the story, more on the story of a Bedford woman who says her family's being torn apart because of lack of support for her and her brother. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's 8 o'clock, I'm Serena Farrow. The headlines, Bedfordshire mum desperate for help with mentally ill brother, calls to delay NHS telephone advice line and Watford have several injury doubts. BBC Three Counties Radio. A Bedford woman says her family's been torn apart because she's not getting enough support with her mentally ill brother who's living with them. Kirsty Wilson says the local authorities aren't giving them enough help. She told Three Counties that his condition is so unstable she can't even leave her children alone with him. He's heavily medicated and he does have mood swings so I can't leave them. They now don't have any one come over to the house, their friends. But at the same time there is nowhere in my house 
that we can actually all sit together as a family because he's actually sleeping in our only family environment. Now, Hertfordshire's Police and Crime Commissioner is set to stand in the upcoming county council elections because he wants to pull together all the different services in the county. David Lloyd has been a councillor now for nearly 15 years, but some councillors feel he shouldn't do both roles. He doesn't quite agree, though. So that we can get better delivery of services. And you know that, uh, for example, I have recently appointed uh, the uh, chief fire officer, a county council officer, um, to be my chief executive because I think this is about working closely together. In Buckinghamshire, a lecturer there says our high streets are struggling because men are designing the shops and what goes into them. This year, some of Britain's biggest retailers have gone out of business. Well, Gloria Moss from Books New University says 83% of all shoppers are women and so therefore needs to be more emphasis on what they want. He tends to like straight lines, little detail, few colours. She likes the opposite. She likes round shapes, lots of detail, lots of colours. What we have is really hunter vision because men's visual spatial abilities are actually different from women's. Doctor leaders are urging the NHS to delay the launch of a new non-emergency helpline. The 111 phone service, which is replacing NHS Direct, is due to go live in much of England on Monday. But the British Medical Association believes patient safety may be at risk after the system ran into severe problems during piloting. NHS managers, meanwhile, say they've taken steps to ensure the safe is safe and of high quality. Now, a couple who missed their flight from Luton Airport after getting stuck in the lift have now been told they're likely to get compensation. Lynn Larson and her husband were due to fly to Turkey on Monday for 11 days, but didn't get much further than the lift at the Ibis Hotel. While the hotel's told us that the manager's now in contact with Lynn and he's going to be assessing the details of their trip and all of the costs involved. Finally then, let's look at the sport and Watford's defender Nyron Nosworthy's out of tomorrow's game because of injury. That's ahead of their home match against former manager Sean Dyche's Burnley. Weather then, and it's going to be mainly dry today, a little bit warmer than yesterday as well. Temperatures reaching 5 degrees Celsius. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio first for news. And suddenly it's eight o'clock in the morning. We're at the last two hours on, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, three minutes past eight. Just a quick heads up, I'm not in tomorrow. Helen Lee is uh, filling in for me and, and, and good for her. I am back on, is it called Easter Monday? I think it's called Easter Monday. Bank Holiday Monday? Maybe it's called both those things. I am. We have a reduced team and in discussions with my producer, Laura, we have very little content on Easter Bank Holiday Monday. I, I'm not saying don't listen, I'm saying do listen, but have your phones on standby, because I, I think it's going to be led by you primarily. Anyway, we'll discuss that nearer the time. Coming up in the last hour of the show before JVS, would you be prepared to take in a relative into your home if they were mentally ill? Well, we've been hearing all morning the story of a Bedford woman who says her family is being torn apart because of lack of support for her brother, who suffers with paranoid schizophrenia. And also Justin Dealey is on the hunt for a St Albans woman this morning. I know it sounds a little bit dodgy, don't worry. It's been reported that she earns £70,000 a year in benefits. And she says there's little point in her working. Well, we'll we'll see if we can find her. Lots of ways to get in touch. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR or you can give me a call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Now we've been hearing all morning the incredible story of a Bedford woman who says her family is being torn apart as she is struggling to cope with her mentally ill brother living with them and she's not getting enough support. Kirsty Wilson is divorced and lives with her three children aged 18, 15 and 10. Nine months ago, her 39-year-old brother, who has paranoid schizophrenia, came to live with them as he was homeless. Since then, she's been struggling to get help from her local authority and the mental health services. Our reporter, Victoria Cook, has been to Kirsty's home to find out how the family have been coping. So we're in your kitchen, yeah. and this is where you and your family spend a lot of their time. Yeah, it is, yeah. I suppose it's, it's just an awkward situation. My brother is in the living room. Obviously, mental health issues, he's on medication... There are problems with that. My children don't know him. They they feel afraid. They feel uncomfortable. You know, they come in from school and the first thing they do is come in the kitchen and, and raid the fridge like most kids. Um, but then they don't leave. I'm cooking. They stay in here with me. You know, they sit at the table or on the table. And that's where they stay. Um, and this is to avoid going into the living room where your brother's sort of camped full time. Yeah, um, his his bedroom is my living room. He sleeps on my sofa, and you know, twenty four seven, he sits there all day. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't go anywhere. The mental health offer one hour a week where they take him out. Sometimes they turn up. Sometimes they don't. And the other, however many hours there are left in a day, I'm left to deal with him. How did life change in your house from one day it just being you and your children and life being normal, as as normal can be, Mm. and from him turning up? I mean, how did things change in your house, if you can describe it? Well, massively. I mean, he's a stranger. My children haven't seen him for... Well, they haven't seen him since they were babies. I can't go out and leave my children with my brother because he's potentially unstable. He's, you know, heavily medicated. And he does have mood swings, so I can't leave them. They now don't have anyone come over to the house, they're friends. But at the same time, there is nowhere in my house that we can actually all sit together as a family because he's actually sleeping in our only family environment. Because he lives at my house, you know, they've basically backed off and said, we will give you one hour a week, we will walk him to his hearing voices group, and basically the rest of the time you deal with it. That That's not... And your children have to deal with it Absolutely, too. Absolutely, it's not acceptable. And all under 18. And for, you were saying, particularly for your 15-year-old, she's in the middle of her GCSEs. It's a really yeah. sensitive time. Yes. This is hugely disruptive. Oh, massively, because she's got nowhere where we... we we've got nowhere we, we can sit and study. We can't, you know, get books out because, you know, after a certain time in the evening, because of my brother's medication, he's asleep. He's in his bedroom. Mm. Um, this is our living room. So we're disturbing him. He's disturbing us. There is no privacy. He, again, listens to headphones, which we can actually hear, and it's the sound of rain, which obviously soothes in some way. So if you do choose to go into the living room where the TV is, he's actually sitting there with headphones on, listening to the sound of rain? Yes. It's actually been said that people that are schizophrenic, some hear voices, uh, my brother does, and sometimes by listening to things like rain or soothing music, it can actually drown out the voices. You know, if he is sitting there and he is hearing voices and he is drowning them out, it's, again, it's not an ideal situation. Whatever his voices are telling him... You don't need that in your house, No, do you? I mean, there's a lot of people that will say, and, and, and rightly so, well, take him out of your house then, which is a fair comment. But by doing that, he has a long history of, of drinking drugs and... It is going to be my doorstep he comes banging on. The, the only thing that's actually losing out on this is, is my children and myself. What impact is that having on you? 
it's destroyed us as a family. We've got no closeness anymore. We can't sit and watch a film together. It's absolutely destroyed my family. Well, it is an incredible story. And Kirsty was on the show about an hour ago and was obviously very emotional about the whole situation. She does, uh, has a support worker from the charity Carers in Bedfordshire, Shelley Hobbs, who's in the studio now. Morning, Shelley. Hello. Very quickly, just explain what what your charity does, Carers in Bedfordshire. Um, We support all carers, um, unpaid carers from the age of four onwards. Um, Now, there's many different means that we can do that. Um, We can advocate for them. We have many different support. Hang on, there are carers who are aged four? Yes. Some, yeah. Wow, okay, that's a conversation for a different day, but okay, (laughs) go on. Um, Yeah, so we have many different um, support groups for them, um, but we kind of try and move away from the word support group and we have like walking groups and coffee mornings or for the young children we have um, young carers clubs where they can come to just to have a break from their care and role and have that time for themselves Mm. so they can actually do their care and role as best they can. Kirsty's situation sounds uh, so complicated and it sounds like there are no winners what can you what can you do for Kirsty to make her life easier? Well, we've been involved um, with the family, myself and um, my colleague Sue Bray, um, since January. And since then, we've actually been supporting them with their problems of housing and their mental health. Um, now, my colleague Sue and I have actually been advocating a signposting on behalf of the family, um, trying to contact other services and inquire what they can offer the family and offering suggestions where appropriate. Um, we've carried up many home visits Mm. and one-to-one sessions in attempt to provide an opportunity for them to discuss their feelings and their concerns and also advocated for them in trying to receive the best possible I don't understand why anybody in in the local authorities this gentleman her brother is obviously very ill yeah uh, and why anybody would think that you know visit once a week is is enough for him but what, what, what are the local authorities saying um, well, I can't really talk on behalf yeah. of them, um, but they've, there have been many delays and it, they've just basically haven't treated the family you know, as best as they could, I would imagine. Um, it's been very frustrating for the whole family. Well, it must be. Who, who is responsible for her brother? Is, is it Kirsty? Is she responsible? Is the, uh, the local council responsible? Um, well, obviously the mental health team do have a responsibility to look after him. Um, Kirsty's obviously looking after him because he's has been housed mm. in um temporary housing with the mental health team and with other people and the resp- the support that he's received from them hasn't been adequate enough and mm. it's failed so he's either ended up in hospital or he's ended up going back to her address Kirsty, uh, you know when she came in she's obviously very upset but obviously still a very strong woman it must be difficult for her because she has the responsibility of a loving sister looking after her brother but she's also a mum how does that how do those two things kind of coexist um well obviously she mentioned that it's having an impact on the relationship with the children um i mean myself and my other colleague rachel hall are actually supporting the children Mm. um they are one of them is coming to our young carers clubs and she has been enjoying it so we're doing as much as we can to still um help them and support them and get them back into not so they're not isolated from their friends and they're still doing well at school i've actually completed a um common assessment framework form with kirsty in regards to one of her children um just so we can get all the relevant services working together Mm. in a coordinated way and we have regular meetings to um 
obviously so everyone can sit together and discuss what issues there are people can then have a better understanding of each other's roles and we can jointly agree on the needs of the family Mm. and we have only actually had one meeting and it was primarily around housing so um how common a problem is this for i I know that caring is a huge thing there are huge numbers of carers who who go completely unnoticed and they save the the country billions of pounds but how common is this for someone to be caring for a relative uh, and to feel they are not getting the support from their local authorities from my experience it's not that common at right all, okay really. so this is kind of a rare yeah. case it, it must be very I, I mean i can't even begin to imagine w- what it's it's like for her um and you're obviously offering a, a, a lot of support uh for Ke- for kirsty how uh, there must be some breaking point though when she just can't carry on doing this oh yeah definitely i'm surprised she hasn't done that already to be mm. honest she's she's d- doing so well and she, like you say she's a very strong person mm. I don't think it's going to be long before she does get to that point. Okay, well, listen, thank you for coming in. We've got the leaflet here, Carers in Bedfordshire. If people want to get in touch, uh, I've got two phone numbers. Here's the Bedford phone number, 0300 1919. And there's a website as well, carersinbeds.org.uk. If if, if people... What kind of people can get in touch with you? Who can come and get in touch with you? Um, Anyone can get in touch. The carers can get in touch with us themselves Mm. or they can be referred by other people, by schools, um, any services, really. And there are four-year-old kids that are carers? Yeah. Um, Sometimes the the children at that age, they're not necessarily doing a lot of the physical care, but they're affected emotionally by what's going on. Yeah. Wow, I find that incredible. Listen, thank you very much for coming in. It's very nice to meet you. Thank and, you, uh, and you. And, uh, send our best again to Kirsty for, for, for her amazing story. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Right. Let's go and get the latest travel from the uh, locked out of her own home. Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Southbound on the M1, queuing at the moment with one lane closed and long delays following an accident. Two cars involved near Junction 12 at Flittick, congestion back to 13 at Bedford. Going to take you around 45 minutes to get through that stretch. Now, anti-clockwise on the M25, we also have a broken down vehicle between 26 at Waltham Abbey and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. And in Nebworth, Watton Road is partially blocked with hazardous driving conditions following an accident and lots of ice between Nebworth and Hartford Road. Everything else not too bad at all this morning. Seems you're moving fairly nicely trains looking good sophie tyler bbc three counties radio thank you very much sophie right it's 8 15 it's thursday the 28th of march i'm ian lee and these are your headlines on bbc three counties radio a bedford mother of three says she's desperately needs help from the authorities in order to cope with her brother who has paranoid schizophrenia Hertfordshire's Police and Crime Commissioner is set to stand in the upcoming County Council elections because he wants to pull together all the different services in the county. And in sport, Mark Roberts... Come in, Jonathan. Don't... No. Don't pull faces at me when I'm trying to do the news. I'm reading about the caretaker manager for Stevenage. Don't pull faces at me. (laughs) The people rely on me to let them know what's happening to Mark Roberts and Stevenage. Oh, for goodness. <laughs> Stick that up your backside. In sport, Mark Roberts will be caretaker manager once again for Stevenage's game at Crawley tomorrow. And apologies to all Stevenage fans who have... That story's been ruined. Oh, for goodness sakes. 
The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. A few isolated wintry showers possible, but dry for the most part with some bright or sunny spells. Maximum temperature is five degrees. Coming up, Justin Dealey is on the hunt for a St. Orp... Do that face again. <laughs> I go. Right, I'm going to tweet that. That's, I'm tweeting that on Facebooking, the face that you've been doing. Dealey's on the hunt for a woman <laughs> this morning. That's all I'm... Go- oh, shut up! BBC. Counties Radio. Nick Coffer on BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday between 12 and 3, I'm here with a little bit of celebrity. I've always loved being a comedian because it's my job, so I'm going to keep doing that. I was voted Japan's number one male vocalist of the year, and I beat out Frank Sinatra. How's that? <laughs> Expert advice. It does sound like it's a mechanical pain brought on by altered mechanics in your upper limb. Your capital's protected because I'm guessing what you don't want to do is take any risks with the capital itself. And loads of really great music. Nick Coffer, weekdays from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's a little bit of. Uh, can you beatbox? Don't be ridiculous. Hang on a minute, let me get. No, I can do it. I can do beatboxing. It's easy, isn't it? It's just doing drums with your voice. Hang on a second. Let me go. Right. It's like Police Academy. (laughs) 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 I wanted to interview that gentleman from the Police Academy who does the sound effects. And uh, it's a woman. Was it a man or a bloke? It was a bloke. And uh, to interview him, he was in London at the time, but and it was for a London radio station when I worked there. (laughs) To interview him, I had to put. He said, "Yeah, okay, I want to. I want to be put up in a five-star hotel, and I want a cab to and from the hotel." I said. You're just the bloke from Police Academy that does the sound effects. Some people think you're a woman, for goodness sakes. So uh, we didn't uh, we didn't get the interview that night. Steve Gutenberg, on the other hand... You put him up in a hotel. No, well, Steve Gutenberg, now one of my best friends. Really? Mahoney. Mahoney's my best friend. I've got his phone number in my phone. Really? Let, <laughs> oh, 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 let me just get my phone. <laughs> let me just type in my <laughs> password. Let me go to my contacts and let's type in famous... Friends, Steve the Luton Ghost Hunter, Steve Gutenberg, Mahoney. Yeah, that's. Go on then, phone him. I'm not going to phone him now, am I? Why not? Well, because the number doesn't exist. No. (sighs) It's just anybody's old. It's probably my nan's number. You phone Steve Uh, Gutenberg. Hello, dear. He's good at voices. Right. What's coming up on your show this morning? On the big phone, dream destroyer. On the big phone in this morning from nine. How do we stop someone choosing to live their life on benefits? There's outrage from some of the nation's newspaper readers about the story of a Hertfordshire woman who gets more on benefits than many people earn by working a full week. Sharon Minkim from St Albans has also been on TV explaining her circumstances. Have you seen her? I've, I've read about her in the papers. I know that Justin Dealey has been on the hunt for her this morning. We'll speak to Justin in a minute, see how he's getting on. Well, to earn what she receives in benefits, the divorced mother of three would have to have a job that pays £70,000 a year. She told ITV's this morning that she would take a job tomorrow if it wouldn't leave her worse off and says the benefit system needs to be changed to make it possible for people like her to get back to work. Mm. Well, from nine this morning, I want to hear your views. How do we stop someone? choosing to live their life on benefits if the reality is she'd have to get a job that pays £70,000 a year and how many of them are there at the moment let's face it then is it any wonder that she wants to live her life on benefits but how do we stop her how do we stop her because isn't the reality that 
if she's getting £70,000 worth of, of benefits, take off the tax, so what's that, 47000 something like that after tax. Yes. I mean, that's just outrageous, isn't it? That the country is paying somebody £47,000 mm. on benefits. You pay tax on benefits. No, you don't. But no. if she gets £47,000, right, so yes, the yes. equivalent yes, yes, would yes. have to be yeah. a 70 grand job. Um, I mean, £47,000 a year in benefits. How mm. on earth can anybody justify that how on earth can anybody uh, feel that that is in any way acceptable mm. for not working not contributing yourself yes well from nine this morning i really want to hear your views how do we stop someone choosing to live their life on benefits perhaps you can totally identify with this benefits trap that some people are in where they just would have to get a job that doesn't exist paying an amount that doesn't exist at the moment in order to earn the same amount as they're getting at the moment on benefits well, so stay here uh, uh, jonathan because we've got justin on the line now justin you you're into mm. the you've been trying to find this this uh, lady haven't you yes i have indeed i think you might laugh at this story actually um sharon minkin who you're talking about um i spoke to sharon this morning just after seven thirty. did you not yet i did i knocked on her front door um she clearly wasn't very happy that i had knocked on her front door but she did agree to talk to us uh, if the person who was dealing with her press authorised that. Sorry? Now, yes. She's yes. got a press officer? She has. So, the person who is dealing with her press is for one, of these, uh, one of these companies who sell people's stories. Oh. So, uh, when I eventually got hold of this person, um, for a good ten minutes or so, I was literally holding the phone away from my ear. Um, the conversation went like this. How dare you phone me at this time? Who do you think you are? I am nothing. I am a rude little man. That's, that's fact, true. No, I'm about six foot three, actually. Yeah. Um, I'm threatening. I was screamed at. Yes. And the conversation ended with this lady saying to me, I'm going to advise Sharon not to talk to you right. because what is she going to get from talking to you you're just local and it's mm. for nothing yeah so I'm going to advise her that she doesn't come so let me just clarify is, is she coming on the show yes or no <laughs> well <laughs> <laughs> I think I think well, you, from, from my tone there you'll gather she won't but in saying that Sharon if you are listening come on Sharon and, and you want to talk to us come okay, on. you said to us earlier you would be happy to talk to us if the person from this website who sells people's stories agrees to it well, you would come on well Sharon come on for goodness sake don't be silly for goodness sake come on but if she's so she's char she's charging for interviews well I was told what is she going to get from you again to quote what is she going to get from talking to you yeah. you are just local and it's for nothing well, I'm hoping and she's I, declaring when I said that when I said it's her point you know her chance to come on the radio this morning she's local it's a big national news story would she like to come on and explain the article because sometimes in these articles here yes. things that are written aren't of often the truth it's her chance and it was put to me, well, you're getting paid for doing your job this morning. Why shouldn't Sharon get paid well, good for point. talking to us? Excellent point. As long as she's declaring that, of course, to the authorities that are paying the benefits. Mm. So that's how the conversation went. Well, Justin, I'm sorry that you um, you, you were confronted with your own truth today. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but thank you very much for, for following that up. Oh, it's a pleasure. Cheers, Justin. Uh, Jonathan, thank you very much. Oh, wait, 459 give, give us your question one more time so that people are... How do we stop someone choosing to live their life on benefits? I have a feeling after Justin's little conversation, yes. we might get even more calls now yes. from nine Sharon Sharon isn't it is her name yeah. Sharon listen call me or call Jonathan you, you need to put your side forward because people aren't going to be happy and you need to, to, to let us know the truth uh, Jonathan thank you very much indeed we'll speak to you later on I'm going to carry on with this now because uh, we're going to go to uh, Leo McKinstry who is a Daily Express columnist good morning Leo 
Good morning. I don't know if you just heard um, our I reporter, did, yes. Justin, I mean, there. it just sums up the whole madness of the modern welfare state, that <laughs> someone who on benefits uh, should actually have an agent uh, deciding their media appearances. This, this is a sort of sense of entitlement completely out of control. And as you said, you know, we have now people on benefits who, if, the, if they were working their level of income from the welfare state is so high that they'd be in the... The highest tax bracket. I mean, it's completely barking, really. Uh, listen, I'm not one of these people that that, that that I think that benefits are appropriate where they're appropriate. I'm, I, I'm not one of these, these these witch hunters, and I know that this is a rarity. There are not hundreds of, of people living like this. This woman is is a rarity, but it does seem incredible that this is, this has been allowed to happen. Well, exactly, and I'm, I'm not sure it is that such a rarity. I mean, there's a stream of these stories, whether this one Sharon Meekin, or there was the head of notorious Heather Frost, who is having a £400,000 house built for 11 children, able to keep a horse, uh, and uh, hardly does any, any work at all. The welfare state was founded uh, originally by the Liberals in the Edwardian age and then extended by Labour after the Second World War. And the original aim was you paid money in and you got uh, benefits back in times of trouble, whether you were unemployed or sick. But it wasn't meant to provide a permanent, subsidised, comfortable lifestyle with, uh, for years on end without any contribution at all. And that's where it's gone so horribly wrong. And uh, now the, you said a rarity, but there's been examples in London, a huge number of cases of people living in very elegant, expensive houses in, in London, paid for by the taxpayer that... And the taxpayer couldn't possibly afford to have those houses themselves. Mm. You know, it's a terrible injustice, really. It's outrageous that You're right. people it, it, are paying for lifestyles that they couldn't afford themselves. I think that is an interesting point, and it, and, and it is meant to be there to help people. I signed on for a couple of years and um, got housing benefit, and I'm, I'm very grateful for the uh, for, for the opportunity yes, that that, didn't, that, that gave me. You didn't think that, uh, well, this is it, I'll no. do this for the next 40 years. No, no, no that, that, that you know that that, that was that it, it was a, a stopgap when I was in a slightly tricky situation. I've I've more than paid back in taxes what what I uh, took out of the system, and and that's the way it should work. It, is there anything that can be done about this? Well, uh, the, the coalition government is trying to do something, and this is a very interesting point, uh, Ian. That uh, the coalition is introducing welfare reforms, and one specific one which should affect Sharon Meekin is uh, an absolute limit on the amount of benefits you. Claim in any year, and that limit is £26,000, which is meant to be in line with average earnings. I mean, it's still, for most people, that's incredibly high that you can get as much of welfare as you could on the average earnings. But those, and there's other measures they're introducing, like to reduce the council tax bill, uh, the, sorry, the housing benefit bill, like the bedroom, the so called bedroom tax is really a withdrawal of subsidy for people who've got spare rooms, more accommodation than mm. they need. But those attempts by the coalition to reform the welfare state have led to a deluge of outrage and sob stories and wailing and anger and protest. And I'm so glad you're highlighting this case this morning because it does present the other side of, of the abuses and the, and the terrible waste that goes on in the welfare state and the gross injustice. And I, I think, you know, there's been an awful lot of sob stories now and synthetic outrage against the coalition's reformers, but cases like Sharon Meekins proved that something has to be done.
Uh, Leo, listen, we'll end it there. Thank you. Liam McKinstry is uh, Daily Express columnist. And listen, I'm not one of these people that's, oh, let's stop all benefits. Oh, everybody. I, 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 despite what Leo says, I, I, th- I do think this is an exception. I, I, I don't think there are that many people that are enjoying £70,000 worth of benefits. And I, I signed on for a couple of years, got housing benefit, was very grateful for it. Wonderful. Helped me out of a sticky situation. But this woman's taking the mick, isn't she? And the thing that swung it for me is Justin Dealey being told to contact her press advisor. That's what... That's any vestiges of sympathy I may have had for Sharon Minkin um, when, when we were told, speak to the press advisor. And then the press advisor got a cob on with, with Justin for want to, wanting to chase a story. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Sharon Minkin, if you're listening, and you will be listening now because you've, you've met Justin Dealey, You've got, you have so got to give us a call and put your side forward. Maybe I've missed something. Maybe I've totally missed something on this. You need to tell me what it is I've missed. Because people are going to be hating on you, girlfriend. Uh, and you need to put your side forward. Do give us a call, 08459 455 555. Also asking this morning, after um, travel guru Sophie Tyler. Well, she's locked out of her house. Until Monday. Hey, there's a worried-looking picture of her on Twitter at the moment. What have you been locked out of? CK in bed says, I locked some keys in a locker before. I undid the padlock, put the keys on the shelf before taking what I needed, closed the doors and locked the padlock back, back up. Once it clicked, slowly it dawned on me that I'd left the keys in. The keys were to all the doors in the depot I was working on. It involved me fetching some bolt cutters and working around the boss who was showing investors around. Once I got the keys back, I went to the boss to come clean as I destroyed the padlock. What have you been locked out of? I've been locked out of my house so many times. I once smashed a window to get in. Smashing a window, turns out, is really hard. Be honest, we've all done it. We've all been stupid. We've all shut that door and gone, oh no, I think my keys are in there. What have you locked yourself out of this morning? 08459 455 555. And it all started with Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Southbound on the M1, queuing at the moment with one lane closed and long delays following an accident. Two cars involved just near 12 at Flittick. Congestion is back to 13 at Bedford. It's going to take you around 45 minutes to get through that stretch. Anti-clockwise on the M25, a broken down vehicle causing problems uh, just between 26 at Waltham Abbey and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. Congestion back to 27 at the M11 and 25 minutes worth of delays anti-clockwise as well between 17 at Maple Cross and 15 at the M4. Now everything else not actually causing that much of a problem at the moment it seems to be all uh, moving fairly nicely out there and the train's not looking too bad either on the departure boards sophie tyler bbc three counties radio thank you sophie 8 31 here's the latest news and sport with serena farrow getting beds hearts and bugs talking this is bbc three counties radio Good morning. A Bedford mother of three says she desperately needs help from the authorities in order to cope with her brother, who suffers from paranoid schizophrenia. Hertfordshire's police and crime commissioners set to stand in the upcoming county council elections because he wants to pull together all the different services across the county. Doctors want the NHS to delay the launch of a new non-emergency helpline, which is replacing NHS Direct and is set to go live on Monday. And a woman from St Albans says working isn't worth it because she receives 70000 
£1,000 in welfare benefits. Well, there'll be more on this story as the JVS show will be asking how do we stop someone choosing to live their life on benefits? All that from nine o'clock. That's the news. Now let's turn to all the morning sport. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. So kicking off with the Championship and Watford's defender Nyron Nosworth is out of tomorrow's game because of injury. They face former manager Sean Dyche's Burnley at home. Key midfielder Alman Abdi may also be fit. Turning to Stevenage, who are 15th in League One, they take on Crawley with skipper Mark Roberts at the helm once again. The Borough are still in search of a new manager. Meanwhile, Milton Keynes Dons make the long trip to Hartlepool with striker Izali McLeod an injury doubt. League Two and Wickham host Accrington at Adams Park. Let's turn to Milton Keynes Lightning and a bit of ice hockey. Their chairman there says everything will be done to make the move to Coventry as painless as possible. It comes as the club's junior teams may move to Oxford. Well, Vito Rossa hosted a fans forum this week. That was ahead of the refurbishment of the rink in MK. It's, it's going to have an impact, no question about it. But at the same time, we think um, many of our fans will make the travel up to, um, up to, up to uh, Coventry from Milton Keynes. We're going to be laying on coaches and we're going to try and make it as easy, easy as we possibly can. Finally in tennis, Andy Murray plays Marin Cilic in the quarterfinals of the Miami Masters tonight. Murray will place Roger Federer as the world number two if he wins the tournament. His coach, Ivan Lendl, feels that they may potentially help him at the French Open. The draw will be really important, obviously, if, uh, if Andy can get to number two and be seeded second and uh, have a relatively freer part and the others play among themselves and take their physical and mental energy from each other, uh, the chances improve providing Andy can do his job and beat the others. BBC Three Counties Radio, there'll be more from me at nine. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, 08459 455 555 is the phone number. Lots for you to talk about, including would you be prepared to take in a relative into your own home if they were mentally ill? Well, all morning we've been hearing the, uh, the incredible story of a Bedford woman who says her family is being torn apart because of a lack of support for her brother who has paranoid schizophrenia. If you're a carer, do you feel that you get enough support? from your local authorities, from the local council, from, from the NHS? Or do you feel you've been completely abandoned? We've talked about carers before, and there really is. Uh, th- there are so many out there who do, um, well, amazing amount of work. If, and they're completely ignored. Completely ignored. Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. your caring story, please. And also, the newspapers are reporting the story of a Hertfordshire woman who claims benefits equivalent to a salary of £70,000. Well, reporter Justin Dealey is in St Albans finding out what you think needs to be done to get people off benefits. And please, if anyone listens to this show, I'm not one of these kind of rabid, we, we must stop benefits. Everyone who's on benefits is a scrounger. I don't believe that at all. Uh, I think the benefit system is amazing. It helped me. It's helped my friends. It's, it's wonderful when it's used properly. But this woman, what, what annoyed me about this Sharon Minkin woman is that Justin found her house, knocked on the door, a little bit cheeky, but, you know, fair enough. But then she told, she said to Justin, "Yeah, you'll have to speak to my uh, my press officer." Uh, sorry, the fact that we live in a world in 2013 when, when someone who's who is famous because they're claiming benefits, they have a press officer. I'd be interested to know if Sharon Minkin is um, charging for any of the interviews that she's doing. I, mean, I don't mind the, the fact that the press officer dissed us for being a local radio station. It's fine. It's lazy argument, but fine. Good for you. Well done. Uh, 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 they may have a point in a certain extent. But, 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 but 
but if, if, if they are charging for interviews, I do hope that those uh, fees are being disclosed to the benefits. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. And also, Sophie Tyler, our travel woman, she's locked herself out of her house. Not a great problem, you think, but somebody else can let her in. The house is empty until Monday. Everyone's gone away for Easter. She's locked out. What have you been locked out of? It happens to me a lot, a lot, and it's so expensive to get the locksmith out. The number of times I've sat out in the freezing cold on the doorstep waiting for a locksmith. 120 quid, quid cash in hand. Do we take, take, take card? No. Check? No, no, no. Receipt? Oh, I haven't got my receipts with me. It's cash. Cash. Thieves. That the, that the last fella let me in was an ex-thief. Very dodgy, Bodsky. What have you been locked out of? 08459 455 555. And if we get time, we'll have a quick look at the front pages of the papers as well. Glenn is in Heath and Reach. Morning, Glenn. Ian. You're, you're calling in about this Sharon Minkin and her benefits. Oh, yes. Yeah, definitely. Go on, what's your take um, on this? Well, I think it's disgusting, but it, uh, I know loads and loads of people who are milking the system... Like I said to your your girl who answered the phone... Yeah, my girl. They do yeah. with benefits what they did with mortgage tax relief many years ago. We start to phase it out. I know people are going to be angry about what I've said, but I'm fed up of me having to work three jobs whilst my two neighbour, two doors up for me, has a nice new car, Sky TV, uh, goes away on holiday, and they're on the, on the dole, and they don't want to work. Mm. So, so I phase it out, but not altogether. There would be some other benefit, but we start to be- fade it, uh, phase it out, and that will give p- people that don't want to work a wake-up call to say, well, if we want this type of lifestyle, we better start looking. But isn't it the, the, the problem with, with something like that, Glenn, is that, that, I mean, this woman, it would appear, and again, Sharon... Come on and, and, and put your case forward, either to me or to Jonathan after nine o'clock, because I don't want this to be a hounding of you. But uh, th- 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 there are some people who, who take the mick, but there are some people, Glenn, who need the benefits and desperate and in dire situations. If you kind of th- th- wean people off, is there not a chance that those who really need help could also be penalised? Well, there would obviously be uh, procedures for that. Um, it's not too difficult to find out. I don't, I don't think so. Who is taking the mickey? I seriously don't think it's that hard. Mm. You know, if there is somebody who is disabled and and cannot work because of that, then I agree they should be exempt from it. But I think we should take a hard line at this now and start to toughen up a little bit. If you want a lifestyle like you've got, you need to earn it. Glenn, thank you very much indeed. We did mention this the other day, didn't we? Um, and I mentioned this, I was on Sky News the other night, and I mentioned this on Sky News, I got lots of abuse for suggesting it. The, 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 the housing association that suggested that if you were going to be losing money because of the, the in inverted commas, bedroom tax, the, the decrease in benefits because you had a spare room, that you should get rid of your luxuries, such as Sky TV. I know I mentioned this on Sky TV, it didn't go down with the bosses. You should get rid of the luxuries such as Sky TV, the smoking and the drinking and the bingo. And that makes sense to me that's not that harsh i wouldn't say it should be a compulsory thing you shouldn't be do what you kipper are, are doing and, and force people on benefits to lose those things but it, it does seem to me if you've got luxuries and you've not got much money then you should get rid of them shouldn't you and sky tv is a luxury i know we all love watching uh, game of thrones on sky atlantic it's a luxury isn't it Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. And also, what have you been locked in? Rob's in Harrow. Morning, Rob. 
Morning, Ian. Rob, How are you? I'm fine. Rob, what have, have you ever been locked out of anything? Uh, no, I did go to a gig a few years ago, and uh, you know sometimes they say, sorry, the gig's started, you can't get in. Yes. Yeah, I got, you I couldn't get into the gig? Half, I didn't get into the gig, I had to wait to half-time, because it was one of these arena shows. Oh, so they wouldn't... Because some shows are like that. They, you have to wait until there's an interval. They won't let you go in. Well, who was it you were going to see, Rob? Aha! Uh-huh. Yeah, but who was it you were going to see? Aha! Uh-huh. OK, but... Oh, you were going to see Aha! Uh-huh. I see! Comics, still got it! Rob, you've called in about the benefits. Yeah, the benefits, right? The story is, there's a woman on our road. She's about 75, old lady, bless her. Yeah. Still gets up every morning, cleans the windows. Yeah? Yeah. Retired. Yeah, two doors down. The family, they're on benefits. They've got Sky TV. They've got iPads. And they're on benefits. They don't want to get up in the morning. And I just think, if you're claiming benefits, you should be giving something back to society, you know. I just don't think it's fair. Uh, God bless that old lady. Her name's Doris. Lovely lady. Rob, Rob, we're losing the signal there, Rob, but thank you very much for that. Indeed. 08459 455. 555 is the phone number. Uh, right, uh, Ophelia's in Luton. Good morning, Ophelia. Morning, Ian. Good morning, Ophelia. What, what have you called in about? I, I just called in about um, the discussion about the lady that came on about her brother who has mental health problems. And, yes, this was, this you know, was Kirsty. Uh, who's... saying her life has been ruined and so forth. Yeah. And I, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I don't. I want it to be clear. I'm not being respectful about her views, and and I don't. I have to respect her yeah. her opinion and her view of it actually impacting on her life. But um, I just thought, you know, constantly as I was hearing the um, interviews and so forth, um, it just made me think about what what does he see as happening to him? How does he feel being in that household? And, and mental health is quite stigmatizing. And I have a cousin who, you know, I hadn't seen for a long time because I moved to Luton. And then I got a call out the blue saying that they were going to section her. None of her family wanted to know because there's a sense that you're tired, you don't, you, you know, you've had enough. And I think there does need to be some support for family members to keep together because um, the, the sister described him as being... Um, what did she say? Um, he's a stranger. He's not a stranger. He's a family member. Well, no, he, he doesn't he's, remember him. Afe- and he must feel that he doesn't belong. He's unwanted. Well, no, Ophelia, I think, d- d- just to clarify what Kirsty was saying, she, she, she cleared it up for us, that the, the family's being torn apart by the lack of help they're getting from the council. Uh, but also, I think it, 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 from what Kirsty said, it would imply that his illness is so... Um, uh, so prevalent that that's what's making him feel like a stranger. He sits in the living room okay. listening to um, uh, rain on Rainfall, his Walkman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you, and it, I, you know what? You, she, she turned up out the blue. Maybe she wasn't prepared and had time to really contemplate. But if you put him in a flat and he's already failed so many times, he needs some sense of semi-independence. Yeah. Whatever in the housing he goes in, he's going to need support of his family. Yeah. Maybe she just needs some extra support from an agency that's going to look at her as a carer. And I think if he lived somewhere else, I'm sure Kirsty would go and support him. But do you think it's right, Ophelia, that that she's sort of been forced to look after him? Is that right? No, it's not. But can I just say, add something else before you cut me off, my gorgeous. Um, The Welfare Reform Act that's coming in, it's going to cause a lot more of these situations to happen. That lady that's on her 70,000, there's a cap on it now. She won't be getting that. Yeah. 
Check out what's been said about the welfare reform. It's going to deal with a lot of these. Can you can you believe this, uh, this 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 lady this uh, this benefits uh, the, the lady that we uh, Sharon Minkin? All Ian, I've got, I've I got, can believe it, and it's sad. But when I she's got a press she's got a press officer, Ophelia. She's know, got a press she, officer. Ian, what did she say to you? It, the government made it seem it was more easier for her to stay at home then go out to work. But the other thing I want to say to you is, is I'm in full agreement with you. No, you can't have Sky TV if you can't afford it. Yeah, yeah. I've told, I've, I've, I have had to deal with people who will say that I have no money to live on. I assessed all their jewellery and told them to go and pawn it. I have looked at what they've got on, which is an accessory. Yeah. I said, you maybe need to put that phone on eBay and told them that I don't think it's acceptable. You're going to get acrylic nails when you can't put bread on your children's Table. Then you've got Ophelia, you're right. If you, <laughs> people are getting acrylic nails when they can't afford to feed their kids. And yes, downgrade to a Nokia. You're, I, I, it's, it, these, these things seem obvious to me, but I think maybe that was the way I was brought up. When we had money, we, my mum always put some money aside and we, we would occasionally buy nice things. When we didn't have so much money, we didn't buy things and we dipped into the money we put put aside. That that it, that seems like common sense to me, but I'm guessing... I'm sounding like a right, right-wing old Tory, aren't I? I'm guessing that's not really... Um, instilled in people anymore I wait four five nine four double five five double five Sharon Menken you, listen you, you uh, I don't want this to be a knocking of you Sharon at all you have to give us a call you really do or you've got to give Jonathan a call after nine oh eight four five nine four double five five double five because maybe there's something in this story that we're missing about you getting all of these benefits maybe there is something we're missing and I would hate to, to, to be one of those broadcasters that does a terrible one-sided attack on someone when we don't know the full facts, the, the full facts as presented by the Daily Mail. Give us a call, Sharon. 08459 455 555. Right. Let's get the travel news now. Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Southbound on the M1, queuing at the moment following an earlier accident which has now been moved to the hard shoulder. It's just near Junction 12 at Flittick with congestion back to 13 at Bedford. Now all lanes have been reopened but we're still looking at delays of around 30 minutes. And also clockwise on the M25, one lane closed following a broken down lorry. Recovery work taking place as well around Junction 24 at Potter's Bar. And anti-clockwise, 25 minutes worth of delays between 17 at Maple Cross and 15 at the M4. Everything else really not looking too bad. Few usual delays around the A10 and and the A1, but nothing's going to hold you up for too long at all. Train's still looking good. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Sophie, you still have you sorted out what you're going to do to get into your house? I've had a breakthrough. What go on? What's happened? I'm going to have to go from work this morning. Yes. Cycle across to the other side of London to pick up my housemate's keys oh. that she's left on the front desk of her office. Oh. Go home, but then take them back when I have to come back into work this uh, afternoon. It's a real shame because we had a call. Everyone's very concerned about you, Sophie. <laughs> we all we all like to protect you here. And Mary from Hemel called up and said that if you were stuck, you could stay in her barn. That's nice. Where's this barn? It's well, it's in Hemel. Uh, just the word the word barn would put me off slightly. Well, you're considering it, aren't you? You know, when push comes to shove, yeah, exactly. So Sophie chooses, <laughs> so can they? they can't. Sophie, thank you very much. <laughs> And thank you, Mary, for suggesting that. It's very generous of you. Right, 8.47. Uh, it's Thursday, the 28th of March. I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A Bedford mother of three says she desperately needs help from the authorities in order to cope with her brother who suffers from schizophrenia. 
Hertfordshire's Police and Crime Commissioner, is adamant he can provide better policing if he's successful in the upcoming County Council elections. In sport, Watford's defender Nyron Nosworthy is out of tomorrow's game with Burnley because of injury and of having a made-up name. Coming up, the newspapers are reporting the story of a Hertfordshire woman who claims benefits equivalent to a salary of £70,000. Well, lots more of your views on this before nine o'clock, but before that, let's get the weather with Elizabeth Rossini. Beds, Hearts and Bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, a very good morning to you. Well, if you ignore the fact that it's still freezing cold, then it's a nice pretty morning out there we've got lots of spells of sunshine they'll last uh, into the first part of the afternoon when i think it is going to turn a little bit more cloudy so yeah a bit of cloud feeding through into the afternoon um still a little bit of brightness out there of course it's still really cold isn't it the temperatures have been below freezing all morning just creeping up to one degree now and probably getting up to um no higher than between around four and six degrees celsius later on in st albans and stevenage in Aylesbury and in luton as well that's just 43 in fahrenheit the northeasterly wind it's still there it's still very nagging and bitter but it is slightly lighter than it has been over the last couple of days which is good news and it should stay dry as well as we head into this evening and overnight temperatures will fall to minus three minus four degrees celsius it's going to feel bitterly cold once more the wind will drop out so a severe frost into tomorrow morning and then tomorrow it's going to be more of the same now um i think it is going to be a bit cloudier there might just be the odd light wintry flurry at times just a, a dusting of light icing sugar i think um not a mountain to very much at all um, but very similar very cold throughout the course of the Easter weekend but certainly staying mostly dry too that's the forecast thank you Elizabeth Easter weekend on BBC Three Counties Radio Good Friday from six it's Helen Lee so what does Easter mean to you is it the most important weekend in the Christian diary or a food fest from nine Colin Berry I'll have more nostalgia with orchestras and singers depicting music radio like it used to be from 11 Richard Williams I'll be here with some local stories live guests and a man having a manicure from two three county sport there's live commentary on Watford versus Burnley Hartlepool against MK Dons and Stevenage away to Crawley. From six, Jerry Byrne. Join me for some of the very best Irish music and much more. Good Friday on BBC Three Counties Radio. Sad news, Norman Collier has died. Now, all of the young people are going, who? What? Norman Collier? Norman Collier w- was brilliant, OK. Well, uh, the Express describes him as a genius, OK? I-, I-, I would suggest that's a little bit, pushing it a little bit too far. His act was very limited. As the son says... The father of three, married for 65 years, was famed for pretending his microphone worked only intermittently and impersonating a chicken. That was his act. That was his act, is he would pretend... Pretend the microphone wasn't working and he would pull his jacket down and pretend he was a chicken. Right. (laughs) Trust me, it was brilliant, but that was it. And in the 70s, that's all you needed to get on TV. He was on the Des O'Connor show every week. I can see Jonathan laughing. It's true, isn't it? It's true. That was was the act. Every week it was normal. My mum used to hate him. Oh, here here comes that idiot. Look, look, he's going to pretend his microphone doesn't work. As a kid, I thought it was brilliant. To describe him as a genius is perhaps a little bit uh, stretching the term, the G word, a little bit too far. But very sad to hear that uh, he's passed away. 08459 455 555. Sharon Minkin, we're looking for you. You've got nine minutes to call this show. 
or you can give Jonathan a call. Depends who you think is going to be softer with you. Listen, I, I, I'm keen to get both sides of the story because I hate doing these the, the very one-sided attacks on, on people who are on benefits. I think it's terribly unfair. But if you or your press officer won't let you come on because we're local, how are we going to get the other side? 08459 Uh Kazzy's from Letchworth. Morning, Kazzy. Morning. Kazzy, what, what have you called in about this morning? Well, I'm on two benefits. I'm on ESA. Yes. And, and I'm on DLA, which is Disability Living Allowance. Yes. And my um, uh, benefits are very, very poor. The money's not very good at all, but I can just about make things mate. But I want people to know that I'm not just sitting on my backside. I've got mental disability. Right. I have ADHD, bipolar and OCD. So you have, ver- you have various reasons, health reasons, why you can't work. When you hear about people like Sharon Minkin, who's earning the equivalent of if she had a £70,000 job... It's not that we can't work. Right. When I go for interviews, I have to be honest and tell them about my my problems and my, my situation and everything. And as soon as you tell them that, they say to you, oh, well, we'll let you know. And at that point, you know you're not going to get that job. So what I've done, I've put myself, um, I've dropped in uh, regularly to a voluntary centre and I've done um, gardening for old age pensioners. Oh, you know, like, yeah. we do that, we don't get paid for it. I've done voluntary work in shops, charity shops, and I'm trying to um, prove that I can do five hours' work in a day. Um, but anything over that, I, I struggle because of my ADHD. Mm. Um, my focus is very bad, and I can get very moody, and I have terrible mood swings. And because of my depression and my bipolar, um, I get I find it hard to motivate myself. But I'm trying to prove to people when I go to work, when I go to um, these voluntary shops or whatever, I'm trying to prove that you know I am capable of doing something. Well, Cassie, listen, good good for you. And I think this is part of the thing. It all sounds nice. Oh yeah, staying at home, doing no work. But you would go bonkers, wouldn't you? You would go bonkers unless you were really really rich and you could afford to travel the world. You would go nuts. And, and Kazi, good for you for going out and doing stuff. I have been told that we are in negotiations with Sharon Minkin's press officer to, uh, to uh, sort things out. I would just suggest, if you're a press officer, you know, and, and, and press is your thing, having a go at a journalist or a reporter is probably not the best way of dealing with things. We're talking about this because would you work if you could earn the equivalent of a £70,000 salary in benefits? Well, one woman from St Albans says working isn't worth it with all the money that she gets in welfare. We're talking, of course, of mother of three, Sharon Minkin. She lives in a three-bedroom, semi-detached house. Uh, our reporter, Justin Dealey. Justin, you've been out mm. in St Albans all morning. You took an earful from the press yes. officer. Uh, and uh, you, you've been talking to people in St Albans about this, have yes, you? Yes, we have got um, an update on a potential interview to come very, very soon. But um, as you mentioned, I'm in St Albans. It's in a number of the national newspapers, this story this morning, and I've been getting reaction locally, and this is what people have had to say. Madam, we're talking about benefits this morning. What incentive will get you to to go back to work? 
I would go back to work for less money than that. I do work for less money than that, and I'm not on benefits. And the reason being because you enjoy what you do to because be out of the house and to meet good people. Work ethics. Yeah. And I do like to get out of the house and meet people. Yeah. Just lastly, anybody who's on about £70,000 a year in benefits, I mean, what's your reaction to that? And don't sit on the fence. I'm. I just, I, I'm dumbfounded by it to think that someone can claim that amount of money on benefits. Does it make you angry that you're working day in, day out to, to effectively pay for somebody like that? I don't know the full story, though. I will say that, and, but I do think it's a large amount of money. Well, madam, you know all about Sharon Minkin and the story you've read about it. What's your reaction to it? My reaction is, um, first of all, horror, but when you break down her list of benefits, it's actually what most people are on, but hers added up are... 70,000, it was um, shocking, really. Most people, you know, she should have taken her job at 20,000 a year, really. I Can I just ask you lastly what incentives would get you back to work if you were on benefits um, and you weren't working? A job at my age, actually. Any incentive to get you back to work. I, I just think she should, it would be cheaper for the government to pay £5,000 for her retraining to bring her up to date with her accounting skills than it would do for £70,000. But rents are £1,400, and that's cheap for here. If she was living in town, it'd be more like £1,600 or £1,700 for, you know, it doesn't look... It isn't a big house, it's like this. Three bedrooms, a little bit of a garden. There seems to be outrage, and if you actually really look at it without looking at the headlines, I think people would would think, well, thank God I'm, you know, still married, I'm not divorced, I'm not being abandoned. Well, there's a very calm and measured mm. response from that lady at the end. I think that's why we want to speak to Sharon, so that we, c- we can get that th- the other side of the story. Well, absolutely. Um, an update, of course, earlier on, just after 7.30, I did speak to Sharon, I knocked on her front door. She was happy to talk to us if the person dealing with their press inquiries authorised that. Now, once again, the person dealing with their press is from a company who sell your stories. So yeah. money comes into this. Apparently, I was rude, I was nothing, we are local. She was going to advise Sharon not to talk to us, because what will she get from talking to you for nothing? Well, since that conversation, another one of my colleagues has spoken to that lady and apparently we now can talk to Sharon if we send a list of questions in advance and they are authorised. So quite literally, we'll be sitting there reading from a sheet of paper and I've been warned again, if I knock on Sharon's door, which I wasn't going to anyway, um, the police will be called. Okay, And Justin, the same thing applies if you knock on my door again. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm serious. Oh, come on, that was only last weekend. It was a one-off. Yeah, it was one o'clock in the morning and you had no trousers and pants on. I was in my speedos. I apologise for that now, I'm sorry. Dirty dirty dearly. Justin, thank you very much. Speak to you later on. Thanks, Uh, 08459 455 555 is the phone number. If you want to give JVS a call, he's up next. He'll be asking, how do we stop someone choosing to live their life on benefits? 08459... Four double five, five double five. It's with great sadness we get the last ever travel from Sophie. Beds, hearts, and bugs travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Southbound on the M1, queuing at the moment between 14 at Milton Keynes and 13 at Bedford. Back of the queue is from an earlier accident around Junction 12 at Flittick and clockwise on the M25. One lane closed following a broken down lorry and recovery work now taking place around 24 at Potter's Bar. Now everything else not actually looking too bad at all. Looks like it's all clearing up fairly nicely at the moment. A little bit slow in the usual trouble areas, particularly the A10 at the Great Cambridge Road and the uh, A1 at Barnet Bypass heading south. Also slow where you'd expect around Sterling Corner. No problems on the trains at all at the moment either. Looking good on the departure boards. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. And Sophie, that's it. That is. I miss you. Mm. Uh, well, thank you very much for everything. And, uh, Thanks have a go- for having me. Have a good life. You too. And we'll see you again at some point, I'm sure. Take care. Bye-bye. There we go. It's the last ever travel from Sophie Tyler. Right, that's it. I'm not in tomorrow. Helen Lee is in, but I will be in on Bank Holiday Monday. And we haven't got any content. None at all. We're going to need you. Stay, stay tuned, though, for JVS. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Have a super weekend. Good morning. Welcome to the JBS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Thursday, the sun is shining in beds, hearts and bucks. And on this morning's big phone-in, I'm asking, how do we stop someone choosing to live their life on bed?